Ron and Fez show starts right now. You ever listen to Kay Billy's Super Sounds of the 70s? It's my personal favorite. Joe Egan and Jerry Rafferty were a duo known as Dealer's Wheel when they recorded this Dylan-esque pop bubblegum favorite from April of 1974. That reached up to number five as K. Billy's Super Sounds of the 70s continued.
Dan Skippy. It's K-Billy's Super Sounds of the 70s. And this is American Scum. Oh, yeah, buddies. It's the Rana Fez Show. We started off with a tribute from our own Chris Stanley. Well, Jerry needs it. He passed away on us. Well, why uh, give it away? Why take it from the listeners' hands? I'm dumb. My name's Chris Stanley, and I'm here to help take out content. It is the Ron Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. And yes, if you uh, listen to the show, you might have thought to yourself, how is Chris Stanley going to pay, pay homage to Jerry Rafferty? Is it going to be right down the line? Is that what he's going to do? Is he going to drop us a little Baker Street? Or will he come straight at us? That's right. He runs it up the middle. It's Chris Stanley. Here's uh, Kevin. I got nothing to say. Uh, I know. I'm inconsolable. Yeah, we all are. Uh, Tom, Tom, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Ronnie. Just very unappreciated rock and roll star that nobody knew about. Well, you know, uh, the thing with uh, Rafferty is it goes to show you that a fucking movie can suddenly make a song cool. That song never... That song was never played on, like, FM rock stations. Ever. Ever. It was just an AM pop song during the 70s. You know, it was, like, thrown in with the David Cassidy stuff and all that. And then, after Mr. Blonde laid down that beautiful dance number that he did, which goes to show you, kids, you don't have to dance good as long as you dance confident. And the ladies will like you. Uh, so, yeah, so after Reservoir Dogs, everybody's like, oh, I fucking love this song. This song kicks fucking ass. And Jerry Rafferty's over in Scotland going, what, really? I do have other songs, too. That uh, means anything to anybody. Um, here's uh, Phil. Phil, you're on my defense. Ron, I don't know about you, but I didn't sign up for a world without Jerry Rafferty. I know exactly I what you're talking about. It's not a world I'm, I'm too fond to live in. Uh, and that's why I, I came in here this morning. And Chris Stanley was just in tears. Scottish tears were just falling out of his fucking eyes. A lot of pain. Well, uh, uh, and I don't like to pull the curtain back, but I'm going to do it today. Chris Stanley had that kind of crying where he's trying to talk and he's choking through it. So as he's trying to talk to me, there's still he's still gasping for <gasps> breath from crying so hard. And I go like this. Hey, I know you feel bad, but this is a time when we need you, Chris, more than ever. I want you to get in there and come up with a brilliant opening that's going to help people. And he goes like this. What if I just took the Reservoir Dog clip and actually put it, put it with the Steelers wheel. And I go like this, why are you talking to me when you could be doing? And then we high-fived, we, we screamed, fuck yeah, chest bumped, and it went into a freeze frame. And it just stayed like that for a while, and I guess that's going to be my memory of how I found out. But yeah, um, for Chris Stanley, this was a 9-11. 
I I find it uh, interesting just how big K-Billy was in that neighborhood with gangster types. I mean, they were close to 100 share with those motherfuckers. Everybody was like, fuck yeah, I've been listening. It's unbelievable. This fucking station kicks ass. Uh, she was attractive. Very. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's uh, get this thing started. Now, there's Ichiban's. Ichiban's. One of the great things about having a window in the world here is you never know who's going to walk by. A very attractive woman just uh, walked by us. Uh, but we'll get the Ichiban started. It's anything that you want to talk about, something you consider a uh, a big story. And from what I understand, later on today, Fezzi, you'll be uh, picking the winners for this weekend. Oh, that's right. Yes, for the NFL playoff games, I'll be picking against the spread. Fez Watley against the spread. I'll let you, you know wh- the winners. Why don't you pick with the spread? That way we could win this thing. Make some money for ourselves. Um, yeah, why not? Why shouldn't we have a little money? Let's lay it all fucking down. What do I got to lose? Maybe we'd like a little financial security, you know? I I know I need it. I'd like to see you with a nice little cottage, uh, Chris Stanley, on the New Jersey shore. Wow, shorefront property. I never even thought of that. Oh, not shorefront. Oh. I mean, in the shore area. Definitely a mile, mile and a half away from the beach. So I can get a bike. And when I say cottage, I don't mean standalone. I mean oh. you uh, rent a carport from somebody that has a cottage oh, and just kind of tent the, the sides there. Make it nice. Um, Jerry, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Dick yeah. Lewis, you not checking in, my buddy. What do you say there, my friend? Uh, Josh, um, Josh McDaniels is fired, but, however, the Broncos have John Elway as their new executive vice president of football operations. Now, the people in the Rockies, uh, and that is the natural uh, area for Denver's team. I mean, it's not just a Denver team. It's not a Colorado team. If you're up above sea level, you love those Broncos. And I can't even begin to explain it to people who've never been in that area just how famous John Elway is in that town. And, I mean, it just goes on. You can be in Montana, the Dakotas. It's just anywhere that they're up above sea level. They love John Elway. Uh, Now, to have him as the VP, I don't know how exciting that's going to be for people. But they're all thrilled about it now. In the long run, I don't know, you know, how happy they can be with it. But right now, they're just uh, ecstatic. Uh, here is Jeff. Jeff, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, Ron and Fez. Happy New Year. Um, you call, calling about uh, yesterday on the news last night? They found more dead birds in northern Arkansas or in northern Louisiana. And the day before that, they found all those dead birds that fell out of the sky in, in Arkansas. Owen Aid was talking about with Neutron Tony there and that, uh, I don't know, it's all kind of signs pointing to that May 21st, 2011 stuff. Rapture starting. Uh, 
Well, it is. Do you feel like it's the rapture? Uh, me personally, um, I can't answer that honestly because I don't know. I, you know, there's all those conspiracy theories out there. But mm-hmm. You're starting to see a lot of the churches on TV starting to talk about it, and you know, I, to me, I think it's just a. Uh, it's there's some kind of a scientific phenomenon that's going on that they're just going to have to investigate, you know. But well, anyway, it's yeah. not. First of all, it's not scientific if it comes from the heavens. Second right. of all, uh, these are the end times. It's all coming down, and the one of the big things if you read the book of Revelations is this whole thing is going to start when a small fat child plays a trumpet with his asshole, and I thought to myself, well, then we're fine. Uh, it, you know, there's nothing to worry about. But I heard from some friends that Conan has booked someone. And the way I originally heard it was a full-grown man. And I'm like, oh, no, uh, no problem. You know what I mean? It's a full-grown man. Found out through some people that I'm friends with that have connections uh, in Hollywood that the trumpet player is 11 years old, and he weighs 287 pounds. That's what I would consider a small, fat child. Uh, and this round boy, once he drops his pants and plays a trumpet with his asshole, run for the hills. Run for the fucking hills. Now, the other thing that I know about the rapture is the second it starts, and Fezzi, you know about the four horsemen of the apocalypse and oh, all sure. that, yep. what's going to be coming down. Also, the song Rapture will be played on every radio station. This is the Blondie song. Every radio station in the world at the same time. It'll sound incredibly like it's been queued up, from the, whether they have it in or not. And then also you'll be able to hear it out of toasters. So this isn't fucking around. You know, for you non-believers out there, birds have died. What don't you get right now? Birds have died. Up to this point in time, no birds have ever died. Um, in fifth grade, I did a paper, which I handed in, that was pretty much ignored uh, by industry in America. And uh, actually, I didn't even get a passing grade on it. I just wrote on the top of my paper, we're supposed to do this thing, Fezzi. It had to be uh, 2,000 words, and you had to have, uh, like, all I did, I wrote at the top of it, pollution, in my mom's lipstick. And then I drew a smokestack and put it out, and then I put a skull and crossbones on it. And I thought, fuck that, I aced it. No one listened. No one paid any attention. And by the way, I got an incomplete. And then uh, she wrote the thing, why do you put a skull and crossbones on everything you turned in? Because I was trying to brand that. I used to even do it on my math things. I just put a fucking skull and crossbones on there. And I would write underneath it sometime, more coming if I don't get a passing grade. Like a signature almost. I don't, yeah, I don't fuck around with those things. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Keith, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, good morning, guys. I got an Ichiban for you. Well, Ichiban. Ichiban! 
You know, as much as I can't stand the Raiders because I'm a Niners fan, mm-hmm. Al Davis just proved that he's senile. He fired Tom Cable, who went 6-0 in his division, first time since, uh, I believe it was 19, 1970, that they went 6-0 in a division. Um, Al Davis, it would be best if Al Davis and Hugh Hefner just did everything together as guys that have kind of outlived their usefulness. And it's kind of sad to see that because Al Davis was considered a football genius. And now he's kind of Mr. Smithers of football. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he does weird things that he wouldn't have done back in his time. And it's kind of, this is what happens when you don't have a son. Life can be very fucking cruel to you when you don't have a son. And uh, Al Davis, uh, they showed him in the owner's box. And they uh, went out and talked to him, and he actually said this. He goes, is this the 60s? And they said, no, Al, it's, it's 2010. At the time, it was 2010. And he looked at him, he goes like this, how do we leap into the future? And they finally, they, they pulled the back off of him uh, because you can't keep that kind of shit on television. It's, it's too damn nutty. But Al Davis makes crazy changes all the time now. But don't forget, he's the man who gave the world Daryl LaMonica, the Mad Bomber, and Freddie Blitnikoff, the man who needed three pieces of chewing gum in his mouth the entire time that he played. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ-8. Yes, Fezzi, you want us to speak? Yes, because the only firings that we ever hear from Al Davis are, of course, his Raiders head coach. Mm -hmm. People must be getting fired like in the Davis household on a daily basis, where he just wakes up and the maid is instantly fired. There must be constant changes going on there. It's probably one of those deals where you don't even pay attention, like if he does fire you. We have one of those things like, you're fired, and you're like, I know, Mr. Davis, I know. By the way, that was me playing the part of a nurse that was supposed to be taking uh, care of him. But see, what you couldn't tell at home is I was fluffing an imaginary pillow. And fuck, I wish I had the chance to do that in front of Louis C.K., so maybe he could put me in his show this year. Um, No, it looks like he's making some major Al Davis changes. So, you know, there might be, at at some point, do you say to yourself, do you judge the guy now or a lifetime? Because I can't get part of the, I'm going to pick on Al Davis. It's too ridiculous. And I feel the same way about Hefner. I can't, I know he looks like a fucking fool. I know he says these people are his wives or whatever, and they're not. He goes everywhere in his pajamas. But he really did do some amazing things back in the 60s. And now that some reporter book is coming out trashing the mansion or whatever, it's covered in dog shit everywhere. Well, you call it a reporter book, which uh, is not a fucking term. It isn't? No. A report, it's a reporter book. It isn't a reporter book. A, it was written by a fucking ex-playmate that he used to fuck oh. who uh, said that, that he used to sit and count out $1,000 for her every week and hand it to her yeah, it while right. he ran her down for what he, she didn't accomplish. Uh, by the way, I'd like to put out point out to her, that's called a whoa, honey. That's what a whoa is. Now, books are not, uh, even if they're written by a journalist, are not called reporter books. Are you sure? No, I'm 100% sure. And I, I'm also pointing this out. Yes. You're a college-educated man. 
Yeah, definitely. SUNY Purchase. Yeah, I bet you still use the term. You, like, sometimes I have to do uh, a little prep work when I have guests. And Hicks, of course, is my right-hand man. I couldn't live without this guy. And he says to me, uh, this came down from the talent booking department. He goes, they want you to read this chapter book. And I go, what do you mean by chapter book? <laughs> he said, doesn't have any pictures in it. Now, I do admit at a certain point in time, normally second, third grade, you use the term chapter book. Why? You don't still use it? <laughs> no. No, I consider all books chapter books. Or reporter books. Hey, we if it's nonfiction, books. nonfiction is now known as a reporter book. Mm -hmm. You crazy fuck. That whore was investigating shit. That's why, oh, you know. Jeez. Investigative journalism, reporting. You, know you could do whorish behavior without being called a whore. Oh. People well. can be whorish without just being flat out whores. But then Hefner had to actually make the statement I don't live in a house of poop. Again, he's an old man. You can't look at him and judge him the same way that you would have you Hefner. It's 2011, and I, I, here's how he's old. Everyone that he's ever enjoyed spending time with is dead. So that has got to be a fucking scary time of your life. Like, we look at old people as, you know, oh, my God, what a boring old bitch. This motherfucker lives on the edge of the razor blade every day. Death is on the other side of it. I mean, the truth is, the the fact of what they're facing, jackass should just be four old people sitting on a couch, and we should be watching at home going, oh, my God, they're going to die. Don't they realize they're going to die here? That's how scared it you would have to be when you're an older person because they put you in those old folks' homes and shit, and, like, people die around you. Just imagine, like, being at work, and you look over, and there's someone dead there. That's what an old person is living with daily. Looks like Mark Zio didn't make it through the night, Ron. That's the kind of shit that happens. Like, you're just suddenly like, uh, oh, you didn't hear? And then you never notice. You'll never even see, like, an old person. Like, start crying or being upset about someone dying. They're just like, yeah, he's gone now. And they'll just fucking deal with it. They're just like, yeah. So they're like, they're in fucking Vietnam and the bullets are fucking flying. They don't give a shit. You know, they'll just fucking just keep right on going. They'll eat, they'll eat somebody's lunch that's dead. Yeah, it's PB&J with Rob Cross's. The entire day to you when you're elderly is living like you're in the road. It's You're just going around, you're picking here and there, you're taking what you can get. It is not a, a life of abundance when you're elderly. And I don't jump into this, you know, I never call someone an old fart or any of that stuff. And You know, the fact that Al Davis got old and he's not doing the same things. Rather than find it something to laugh at, I just, I find it terrifying. Because I, I don't want to ever get to that point where I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and why. That's the scariest shit of all. Well, you won't have to worry about this. I mean, the, you for old, that'll be 30. Coming up then. You'll never have to worry about it. Uh, yeah, I'll probably just go uh, you know, pretty quickly in some sort of overdose scenario. Um, Heart eight, attack. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ-866. Run Zero Fez. It is the Run of Fez show. We're doing the Ichibans. Ichibans, of course, mean number one. Number one. 
Uh, here's Greg in Boston. You're on Ronnie Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, Redhead Redemption. Eastside Dave McDonald going for uh, the Shorty Awards again. I got a note today. Uh, I did not know that it was Shorty Award time. Fact is, I never do. Um, I don't know how you get an award for tweeting things. And apparently, as we saw with Dave last year, his life wouldn't have changed that much if he did win. I mean, it's it's not like you hear someone won a Shorty Award and, you know, life has suddenly got better for them. It's not like when Mickey Rourke was nominated for an Oscar and suddenly found himself in Iron Man 2, wasting everybody's time. It doesn't seem like the llama that Dave, I hate it, hasn't gone on to do bigger and better things. But uh, from what I understand, and I'm just reading this right now, um, Sleeves is number one in the music department of the Shorty Award so far. And in politics, and the number four position is Lady Trucker. And um, I would really like to see us get behind that as well this year. Uh, because she deserves it. She's done a hell of a lot politically. Eric, you're on the run of Fest show. Good morning, gentlemen. Yes, today, how are you? Uh, today starts CES out in Las Vegas, Consumer Electronics Show. Oh, this is the gigantic show every year uh, where you find out that there's something that blows the iPad away, something like, oh, we've got... The new thing that they're working on is sneakers for little kids that light up when they walk. You're supposed to be just absolutely tremendous. Oh, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be the big deal breaker. You know what's fun about this is I've gone out uh, to CES every single year, mm-hmm. and it's great because it brings so many jobs here, and, and you know, uh, tourism jumps up. But what you do is you go and see a bunch of electronics that probably will never come out. Uh, that's what I've noticed. You'll see two, three things that, that you'll see on the shelves, but other than that, you'll never see what's coming. Have you been over there yet, Eric? No. Uh, it, it actually starts. It'll open up for uh, for all of us tomorrow, um, but I'll be there on, on Friday and Saturday uh, to see all the new stuff. Uh, all right. Well, if you see anything cool at all, give us a call and let us know, all right? I will. I'll call you on Tuesday. All right. Uh, Take care. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um, let's go over here to Dan. Dan in New York, you're on fez Yo, Ronnie, I got a short Ichiban for you. All right, so I'll just do it. I guess uh, from the sounds of it, it was two ice fishermen got caught running a, uh, a gay sex ring out in Minnesota yesterday. Uh, it's funny they were catching that, but zero fish. Well, did anyone do the put it in the ice hole joke? I mean, is that uh, happening at all there? That's I, the most uncomfortable glory hole I could think of. Licked his ice hole, uh, got two fingers in the ice hole. Ron, the only thing I heard was uh, one of the guys' names was the infamous Rhino. That's all I know. Oh, so you're doing like a little joke there. Ronnie, see you. All right, there it is. 866 Ron Zero Fez. 866 Ron Zero Fez. It is the Ron Fez show. Uh, here with you on the first day of the new millennium, and it's a fresh start for all of us. It is a fresh start for all of us. 2011, fuck 2010. Yeah. Feels good. It is. 2010 is, and I told you when it started, I go, this is going to be a stupid, fucking ridiculous, wasteful year. This is a year you won't even remember 
in your life. And you know what kind of year I'm talking about. A uh, fucking 95 year. Who the fuck ever brings... Remember 95? No. No one does. You know, half the, the guests who come in here that are praising something always has to do with the 1960s. We had a guest on yesterday. Oh, the 1960s. The 1960s. You'll never have said anyone's going, oh, man, remember the 90s? No. I don't remember Hammer Time that much. Was it really big? Yeah, fuck. Everybody was wearing baggy pants and doing Hammer Time. Don't recall it. Remember grunge? Smashing Pumpkins are trying to bring it up to everybody. Remember the 90s? Um, hold on. Uh, Matt has a little update for us. Yes, Matt. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, the new iPad killer is coming out. It's actually going to be at CES. Uh, it's called the XOPC, the full Windows 7 tablet, 11-inch screen, 1.6 megahertz processor. It's, it's going to be amazing. And this is going to destroy the iPad. Absolutely, because it's basically you're going to be able to have your entire computer with you everywhere you go with no keyboard. Now, the reason people like to have their computer with them everywhere they go is because they hate real life so much. We despise reality. We hate it. Every three moments. I mean, I'm on my phone and just reading something, not and experiencing anything. Really. Here's actually a fun thing to do. Uh... If there's a concert going on, put in the the phrase of whatever that concert is uh, into your Twitter search thing. And you will watch people during a concert going off song by song of what they did. Yep. Which means they are fucking paying more attention to that than the concert itself. Well, Earl during the party was fucking tweeting things about the game while he was there. That's Not only was. was Earl tweeting things about the game as it was going on, he wasn't, he was sitting next to Fez and never had a conversation with Fez all night, no. yet would tweet these witty things that we only found out because I think Mikey Boy or HTG, one or the other, I gotta be connected people, were going, hey, guess who tweeted this? And then we found out it was Earl. Because they're, so they're Reading Earl's tweets as he sits eight feet away at the world's, no offense, Fez, worst fucking party. Oh. And one of the oh. reasons is nobody was interacting that night. Nope. Just on fucking cell phones. Yeah, just uh, doing other stuff. Um, Rob, you're on the Run of Fez show. Rob. Hey, uh, I think that computer... Consumer Electronics Show just shows what Japan's been doing already for the last two years. It's, it's like, welcome, welcome to 2009 Tokyo. Well, you can say that, my friend, but one day their robots are going to destroy the world, and then you'll hate the Japanese. <laughs> I might like it. <laughs> you say that now. Joke about it now. I don't want to deal with fucking robot overlords. I remember being a little kid, and my dad said to me, because we made one... Mistake in the big war, son. We stopped bombing Japan. And I go like this. Dad, can, not every night. Can we just sit down, have a dinner where we just talk about normal things? Not our complete hate for the Japanese Empire. Really? Every night? Stories? Yeah, and then sometimes you bring up the 1950s whiz kids with me. I had Puddinghead Jones. I mean, it was an amazing team. Callison was the center fielder. I mean, this was a phenomenal team, Ron. All right, Pop. Well, it's a nice break from the Jap talk. 
No, because a lot of times he'd even pull his eyes back while he was doing it, just so I remembered not to like the Japanese. Um, Horatio. In Philly, you're in Fez. Yo, Ron, Fez. Yeah. You guys hear about this group of nine uh, nine guys dressing up as uh, superheroes in Washington State working out of a uh, comic store? What, what is, what's to that story? Fucking men... Um... Dressing up like superheroes, it happens every fucking day now. There's no difference between 38 and 3 in this country. And, you know, the thing is, the comic book geeks, they waited until everybody went, okay, we'll watch your comic book movies. Okay, comic books are an art form. Good. Now they won't stop. Now they're like, now let's all dress up like we're in comic books. Oh, it's we found It's LARP. They just won't drop it. They love it. They can't. They get won't it give it a. And this fucking thing where every holiday has to be Halloween, no matter what the hell's going on. We ought to do this thing this year. And believe me, if you want to get some press, we'll do it in a heartbeat. February fourteenth, we'll have a bunch of people dressed like they're the little fucking cherubs and, and run. That's another thing. For some reason, you have to act like you're running. You're doing a 5K with it. Cupid Con. And people will go fucking crazy. Let's get body suits for Easter, too. That's coming up. And for some reason, let's tie zombies in. With no matter what the hell we're doing, zombies have to be. Now, there was a time in this country the only people who cared about zombies were children. And now people are saying, oh, I don't think she's old enough to see this movie. You know, it's a zombie movie. I thought I thought that was for kids. The Walking Dead didn't help anything. Oh, it goes on and on. Every fucking show's a zombie show. Uh, Will, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Just wanted to see. What do you, do you think we'll ever go back to maybe it being like cool to go like retroactive and like people start reading and stuff? They like put the iPad down, they pick no. up a book, you know? No, we never go back. There, there's it's, no we're such. We're totally sold Look, on technology. Yeah, we've we always have been. Try to find one time we ever rolled back from technology. It never happens. There were motherfuckers going like this. Hey, come on, horses are better. You can't talk to your fucking car. Your car isn't your friend. This thing doesn't use any oil. It's clean. You know, your nature, you're attached with nature. Uh, by the way, I still find the weirdest thing in history is that we have ridden horses. Like if you came here and you're in a Martian and you saw one animal riding another animal, <laughs> it had to be the craziest shit ever. And you would have to say to yourself, well, that one animal was so nice it carries the other animals around. Yeah, we domesticated. You would not know that the smaller fucking animal was in charge of the deal. I, it just weirds me out sometimes when you, just, when you see an animal on top of another animal. I wonder how many animals we had to go through before we realized the horse could carry us and quickly. We're squishing dogs, just sitting still on a cow. Well, little kids, there's nothing funnier than that fucking goat. Uh, rodeo with little kids. I mean, I'll get on YouTube and watch that for hours at a time. You see a fucking four-year-old kid riding around on a goat with a fucking cowboy hat on? Forget about it. That's fucking hysterical. Well, we have we, we, we have rode other animals. We rode fucking elephants around. We rode camels around. The horses are just the fastest. I see, you know, those fucking guys in India. I'll get on the back of a fucking elephant. That's pretty cool. 
you're up fucking high. I mean, you get in an elephant accident, you're fucking dead. It's like driving a Fiat. You're not fucking getting out of it. Oh, did you hear that? He turned his elephant over. Oh, my God, no. Oh, yeah. He was killed immediately. I mean, I'm sure they had to hear that. And there was something where, in like some South American thing, there's like more mule deaths or people fall off of fucking mules because they're riding them up high. Um, you can't get out of it. Uh, here's George in Virginia. You're on Manifest. Hey, Ronnie. How you doing? What do you say? Uh, Y'all uh, know the new overtime football rules go into effect this week? What are we talking about here? I don't know anything about this. Uh, in overtime, you get the ball. If you get down the field, you get a touchdown, you win. If you get a field goal, you got to kick off to the other team. They get opportunity to score. Fez, they're starting a new rule in the fucking playoffs? I had not heard that all of a sudden in the middle of, uh, well, at the end of a season, we're going to change the rules. I, I find this hard to believe, well, sir. This, this was on ESPN a couple mornings ago. I find it this was, hard to believe. Check it out. If the other team scores a, a field goal. I know what you're talking about. I'm sure somebody is saying that this would be a better way to do it. I just don't think that you're going to. It goes into effect for just for the playoffs. It goes into effect this weekend. I, I shit you not. I, I'm going to look this up because I'm stunned with this news. I, look, George, I'm not calling you a liar. I'm sure everything <laughs> that, you, that you're saying you believe to be true. I just never heard that you start a rule change in the playoffs and no other time. Well, the other thing, too, is if you kick off and you do an onside kick and recover it, that counts as opportunity for the other team to get it. And then if you kick a field goal, you win. Check it out. I heard Mike and Mike talking about it the other morning on ESPN. Well, if Mike and Mike were talking about it, it has to be true. Hicks, you're checking into this for me? Yeah, Washington Post is reporting. Yeah, it's in effect for the role, for the uh, playoffs for this year. The guy what he said was right. I, I guess the reason why they would choose to do it in the playoffs is because you don't have a time limit where during the season you just run the one quarter. And here it's going on, and maybe they think, hey, we'll keep these fuckers on TV. You know what I mean? Like, maybe this just means sell more commercial. Yes, now what, Hicks? Uh, it's, it's saying the competition committee members that put the rule in effect said the change was necessary because a growing percentage of overtime games were being won by the team that won the coin flip. In part so because what? Of, in part because of improved field goal accuracy. So what? That's exactly. the fucking game that you have. This is what I hate about football. They just, they, again... If you want to fucking win the game, don't fucking play for a tie at the end of the game. I'm not fucking feeling sorry for a team that doesn't go for two or doesn't go for it on the fourth down at the end of the game. This is, again, if anything, this just creates less excitement. It's about the fact that you can lose by a field, you can give up a field goal, and the game isn't over. It's fucking ridiculous. So fucking stupid what happens with this game. Uh, I don't understand why it's so pop. Well, I know why it's so popular. The American fucking public don't give a shit one way or another. They just want to keep the game going. Uh, Ramon, you're a manifest. Hey, what's up going on, guys? Yeah. Um, you were talking before about the, uh, the uh, guys watching the football game at the party, and they were just tweeting back to each other yeah. and uh, how, how they've lost it. My daughter from college was home. Uh, this week for uh, for break, and we couldn't find something to watch for TV. So somehow I found on IFC some old little rascals. 
episodes when Spanky was a baby. And they had a fire truck. There was some kind of fire. And they actually made the fire truck run by opening up a hinge and having a cat be seen by a dog. And the dog was on the treadmill, and that's what made the engine go. Um, yeah. And I'm, and I'm watching this, and my daughter is laughing like crazy. The originality of it all was, in, was insane. Well, it was uh, Hal Roach was a brilliant guy, the guy who put these things together. But actually, I got an email last night from someone who said that the uh, TCM, Turner Classic Movies, were running an all-night uh, Our Gang marathon. I barely got any sleep last night at all. Fucking howling all night long. Things were just hysterical. Hysterical. And this was, what, the 1930s they were pulling this shit off? 80 years ago, kids are funnier than they are now. Because I can't watch any of those fucking, I don't even know what they're called, fucking Hannah Montana's or whatever the hell these kids. Because the, the reason why it's hard to follow kids shows is they grew up so fast. I'm like, well, what's going on with Raven? Raven, she's 30. I'm like, oh, okay. I watched a lot of Degrassi. <laughs> See, love that Canadian shit. Seriously, yeah, but you better not be batching to that. Uh, I can't. No, don't even say. Don't even fucking bring that up. That's disgusting. Uh, Dan, you're on the Run of Fish show. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, just talking about uh, rule changes in the playoffs. The NHL did it a few years ago. They started using two referees uh, in the playoffs rather than try to preseason. Well, see, I don't mind that as much because, you know, you're just trying to officiate the game better. Obviously, um, baseball has done that for many years. Well, suddenly they'll end, uh, bring in out, outfield referees and stuff. But this is an actual rule change where if you watch the game, last year if you would have kicked that field goal, you would have won. Ten years before if you would have kicked that field goal, you would have won. And now you don't. So you're going to have people bitch about that. Just like Fezzi can't get over the fact that the parody thing is so set up that a losing team won the division and and immediately wants a rule change. I'm sorry, you got a fucking bunch of rules set up. You had to know in the back of your head, one day this could have happened. This is the day that it happens. Tom, you're on running Fez. Tom, we lost you. Here's Justin. Justin, you're on the run of Fez show. Justin, we got you, buddy. Lost him. Here is Frank, Frank in Virginia. Hey, guys. How we doing? Good. Just wanted to talk about that NFL rule change and how dumb it is. Do you realize now that instead of winning the game on a heroic moment with a field goal or a touchdown, if the team that gets the ball first scores a, a field goal, the other team gets the ball. The game could end on an incomplete pass. Um. That That is a fucking really funny way to look at it. I didn't, I didn't even think of that. But if you score a touchdown, you win the game, right? Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you score a touchdown, you win. But if you get a field goal, the other team gets a chance, and who knows what's going to happen. They could they could just, you know, go three and out, and the game's over. Yeah, I mean, it could be uh, first and, and yeah, uh, you're at the 20-fucking-yard line, and you're trying to throw a fucking bomb for 80 yards. Uh, so dumb. Forget, you know, football, they, they honestly don't give a shit. They change the rules like they're Vince McMahon, where you can suddenly come down and, oh, that didn't happen that way. Well, by not putting these rules in during the regular season, 
No team has ever played this way before. They've never been on the field in that moment to know how to strategize for it. If it had been on during the regular season... <clears throat> well, what would the strategy be? What's the change in strategy? Well, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure, but it's like this is something brand new that everyone's walking into. No right. one's had any experience with it. But the only strategy would be this. So oh, they kicked the field goal. Now we get the ball. I don't think that's going to change. Or we kicked the field goal. Now we have to kick off to them. You know, I don't think it's going to change the strategy, but it will change outcomes of some teams. If you kick a field goal where last year you would have won the fucking game. This year, you you have to say to yourself, then we gave up a touchdown. This is bullshit. We had already won the game in overtime. No one cares, though. It's fucking rollerball where they don't care about anything. Um, here's the guy who got destroyed in the men's finals of the Run of Fez Fantasy League, our own friend, the Blowhard. Hey, Blowhard. Hello, men's champion. Congratulations. I don't like it when you're being like that. It takes all the fun out of it. I need you to be destroyed and Hello, sad. Come back. You destroyed me, but I'll get you next year. I, the Al Davis of the league. That's, that's a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I, hey, look, you know, you got to give your hat, take your hat off to the chicks in the league who really, really played well. And, you know, with the NFL, with this rule change, can't they just leave it alone? It's, it's bad enough they got to play these games in these indoor domes with carpet, which makes it so easy for the kickers. Bring the game back outdoors. Keep the rules the same way. Jesus, what are they doing? Next, we're gonna we're gonna have like different points for different yards, and I, I mean they're just gonna tinker and tinker and tinker. Um, the reason I called basically was because earlier you talked about the great Al Davis, and I really think that the league would not be where it's at today if it wasn't for the greatness and the tenacity and the balls of Al Davis. Well, certainly half the league owes them their money, right? I mean, Jesus. This guy, a lot of people don't realize, right before the merger, when most of the AFL owners, the Lamar Hunts, the Rooney guy in Pittsburgh, all the owners were like, you know, okay, we've got to get this merger deal going. Al Davis basically said, fuck the merger. I want to ruin the NFL, and I want to raid their players. I want to crush the NFL. This guy, he really got the AFL on the map. And a lot of people are going to look at the Raiders now and see this feeble old man, and it's really not it's, – it's sad. It's part of what life is, though. Yeah, because this guy is one of the reasons why the NFL is so popular, because that merger happened because of him and his – and you know what? Everybody couldn't stand the guy, but the guy, he sued the league. How many times? How many times did he take on Pete Rozelle and – I mean, the guy just got the AFL off the ground, and when they wanted to get that merger going, he just wanted to keep on fighting. And it is sad. I'm not a Raider fan, obviously, but uh, I just think that Al Davis is one of the greats. And I just wish my only my only regret that he didn't have a team in New York. I really wish he, wanted, Brooklyn, he was a Brooklyn guy. He wanted to. There was times that he talked about moving the Raiders to New York. I know, and I think the Raiders would have had the perfect place in Brooklyn or New York. I mean, it would have been just the perfect team for New York and the perfect guy. And now we're going to see this feeble old man making these awful draft picks, making these awful firings. Uh, yeah, it's sad. It is, that it, part of it's sad. All right, thanks sad. a lot, Blowhard. Uh, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, there's plenty of documentaries about when the AFL started. And again, 
the 60s. Everything, fucking life for whatever reason. All shit got done new in the 60s like Mad Men. Um, but he did this thing that has that companies copy all the time now, no matter what business that you're in. So the AFL starts, and they're nothing compared to the NFL, and the NFL starts to fuck with them about different things. And Al Davis came up with the idea of, all right, we're going to steal players from the uh, NFL, but we won't do it from anywhere. And they just picked the L.A. Rams. They go, let's, we're going to throw money at these players. Let's throw money at the L.A. Rams players. They're in the number two market. They're a flashy team. And if we destroy that fucking team, if we take it so that their home fans say this blows, the NFL is going to be in fucking shock. And it was true. They went in, they stole like four or five fucking players just from one team instead of stealing them from all over the league. And they got more press about it. And the NFL came back to them and said, look, this has got to stop. Obviously, you guys know what you're doing, and we should all be in one big league together. And then we will make football into the most boring sport that you can imagine, but we'll make a lot of money and sell a lot of beer doing it. And at that point, and this never gets brought up, they started a daisy chain. What? Yeah, the 26 owners were jacking, sucking. It was just... <gasps> so the original owners were gay? Not gay, but willing to do anything on a uh, dare. Anything on a dare. Uh-oh. Brad, you're on Run Fez. Ronnie, how's it going? None of your business, Brad. That's a personal oh, personal thing. Hey, I've been a Raiders fan for 30 years. Al Davis, in the last 10 years, has ruined the Raiders. you got to admit it, man. It's no, truth. we do not. We're saying it's sad that he became known as this crazy old uh, man because the fact of the matter is... He, it's not so much the guy ruined the Raiders. He made the Raiders. You wouldn't have a fucking Raiders. And you can't look at too many teams and say it all comes from one guy. And I don't know anybody else in professional football who made his money off football, became rich from fucking football. Al Davis is the only one I know. All right, we're going to break here. Uh, back in a couple minutes. Do we know if we have our uh, guests coming in today? Uh, coming up in just a little bit, a brand new book called uh, Rose Anarchy. Rose Anarchy, and our guest Roseanne Barr will be stopping by. It's the Ron Fest Show. Serious 197 XM 202. The virus. Connect with Ron and Fez. 866 Ron Zero Fez. 866 I'm going to do a terrific show today. And I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me.
It's the Red and Fez show. Why does my mic sound so crazy? Uh, Don't just sit. Go over and check. How's it sound to you, Chris? It sounds you sound, you're coming through clear. I don't know what's wrong. Then maybe it's my headphones. But I sound like I'm being fucking smothered over here. Sound clear coming All right, there, me. This, Now it sounds better. Okay. What I want to do is producers meeting on a daily basis, where we know what these things are, and we don't. Maybe we'll have one after the show today. I think we will. We'll have a full tilt producers uh, meeting after the show today. Thanks. Technically, uh, we have all the right equipment. That should never uh, be a big part of that. The, the equipment is here that we need. And yet everybody hears something different in their own headphones. That's how it's been. It's the old place and in, in here. Well, mine sounds good now, but there for a second, it sounded like I was being smothered with a pillow. No. Yeah, it was like I'm Jack Nicholson. And Big Chief is like, I love you, and I'm taking you with me, and just uh, smothering me out. Well, that's very disheartening. All right, uh, getting ready for our next guest, it's uh, Roseanne Barr. Of course, Roseanne had the biggest show of, I guess, late 80s, early 90s. In this country, we kind of went, cheers, Cosby, Roseanne, Seinfeld, Raymond... Two and a half men. I think that's how the big sitcoms went. I might have been leaving. There might have been a, a small home improvement in there, and then a uh, maybe a, a dash for King of Queens. Oh. I don't have it all down together. But uh, Roseanne was the um, the biggest star of the night, the biggest star on television at one time. Uh, Roseanne is the book uh, Dispatches from the Nut Farm. Let's bring in Roseanne Barr. The new book and Roseanne Barr in the studio. So nice to see you. Nice to see you too. And two and a half years writing the book. Yeah, I'm getting all obsessive about it. Rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. But yeah, it took me that long. Is that? And they were nice enough to indulge me when I'd be like, I can't. I couldn't <laughs> let go of it. So is that totally different than like writing your stand-up act for you? When no, you're... that took me seven years to write an hour. Really. It's just that I can't, uh, you know, like the stand-up thing, I wrote like about 
500 opening lines <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't get beyond that but but at I least just, there you I can get stuck yeah I think at least with stand-up you can go out and test it and play with it a little bit but when you're writing a full book like this you could get off on the wrong road and then follow it for a while. Oh, I did, too. Did um, you? They made me cut 200 pages in the end, and they're like, you don't need to tell every single thing that ever <laughs> happened in your life. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, stand-up keeps you in, in it. Like, you know, you have to do a, a kind of a, uh, you know, a clipped real fast rhythm. And writing, you know, a book you can have like a three or four line sentence, right? Which is fun. Mm -hmm. it's just two totally different things. Yeah, and you get into things that I don't think that you normally get into your stand up, like spirituality and oh yeah, stuff like that where you wouldn't normally do that. Yeah, I mean, I did do a, I did put some spirituality in my stand up act. It's funny how what I always do the wrong thing at the wrong time. <laughs> I have a real talent for it, and like uh, I put all this stuff about God and spirituality in my one stand-up act and took it to Vegas. Don't ever do that if you want to be invited back. People are drinking, gambling. Yeah, it's talking, kind of the wrong time. Talking about God. and But I was saying, you know, like you, the way you talk to God is like, why? Why am I fat? And then God goes, because you eat a dozen donuts a day, Roseanne. Like, who is this? You know. Kind of thing. So for you, that's been kind of a, a lifetime thing, though, spirituality. It's not. Yeah, something... I mean, I didn't have a choice in it. I was raised yeah. in an Orthodox Jewish family in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's not like I had any choice. <laughs> Everybody all the time just talking about God, God, God all right. the time for everything. Like if you got sick, that you go, well, we're going to pray for you, and we hope the Lord heals you. That's how it was. Right. It's like so crazy. And then you go out in the real world, and nobody's like that <laughs> yeah. at all. As soon as you get out of that one area. And it's not like there's going to be some civil rights movement to help the Jewish kids in Utah. You know what I mean? You're just, you're on your yeah. own out there. I was totally on. We, we've stuck out. My family stuck out like a sore thumb. We only had the one mother. <laughs> that's one of my jokes it's good it still works it yeah, works for you I, I ask people like that but yeah i did stick out like a sore thumb mostly because um yeah i was a sore thumb <laughs> and uh i i was fat and dark and loud and all i was surrounded by all these blonde thin girls who were like you know sweet mm -hmm. it's like oh, man i what kind of a joke is this I figured God must have wanted me to like suffer so that that's why I was put there. But you were saying in order to suffer so that I could truly turn on people and make them suffer later. Yeah. Which I was very good at. A bad childhood kind of helps with comedy, doesn't it? I mean, it's not like you hear about a Rockefeller kid becoming extremely funny. Well, you know? it is kind of a, uh, what do they call it? A uh, survival yeah. skill. Yeah, that's what they call it. Well, you know, and it's very Having a sense of humor, though, even if you are a Rockefeller, which I don't think they have any sense of humor. I think $100 million is the cutoff to where nothing <laughs> is. You don't have a sense of humor, at least about yourself anymore. But it's really, that's the way to really get through life is be able to laugh at yourself first. Right, before. And then laugh at everybody else behind their back. But start with yourself. <laughs> start with yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. We have, like, acting families, like generations, Fondas, and, you know, we even have musical families like that. But there's no kind of stand-up comedian, oh, my grandmother was a true. great, you know. And and I, I do think that it comes from... Uh, a certain amount of feeling that thing that exactly what you felt when you were a kid of just being 
one. Yeah, it's an out, outside outside looking in yeah. thing. Now, I might change that because my son is 15. All he wants to do is stand-up comedy. I'm like, you're not allowed. You cannot. I, I can't right. have you do it. But he might rebel and do it. Well, because you know that they're looking at years yeah. of just having your ass handed to you. You know what I mean? Yes, like, It absolutely. takes so long. Yeah, it does. It takes so long. And even the people that get that certain break where they suddenly jump up fast, they end up paying off. You know, that's true. You yeah. get it, you're not going to get away with anything if yeah. you stand up. There's occasional people that they'll suddenly like 19 or 20, they break through. And then by the time they're 27, everyone just yells, Polly Shore, what are you doing? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you gotta, you've got to pay the piper. Yeah. There's no way around it. And Paulie is like the perfect example because he was just sailing along without a care in the world for a while. And then it all just hit him. Well, you know, you do it to yourself is the uh -huh. freaky thing. Comics, like, we have like a really, I think we have a, a pronounced sense of injustice. You right. Because we have to have that eye to make the joke. See how things are, you know, putting pieces. Stand-up comedy is so much about putting severed parts together, as mm. is writing. But stand-up comedy is really about putting severed parts of, like, injustice and justice and all, all those kind of, like, levels of society together into creating a joke. So the comic, you know, is like one of the few performers who actually has a soul. Mm. Not all of them have it, but some do. And then so you're going to judge yourself and take yourself down. You, you just have to. It's just part of you have to beat yourself up as part of it. Now, was there and ever... I think, you know, Polly, you know, he's another one who, you know, got involved with drugs and, and bad people and beat himself up. And, you know, occasionally he, he comes back. And I think he's funny. You know, I think yeah. Polly's funny. Polly was, uh, you know, he, you know, I don't want to go off on Polly. I don't know. He God. did some funny things. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but I'm just saying. What that... am I even talking about? <laughs> Well, Hi. The, the point the of hell? it was that... What the hell are we doing here? <laughs> you just, it's your book. It's oh, yeah. Rose Anarchy. Now, here's the thing, too, Roseanne. You, was there a time where you just felt like, oh, I finally got to where I want to be? Or even when you had the show at its peak? Uh, yeah. I, I, I thought, like, well, I mean, I had the number one show. Of yeah. course, I was thrilled. And I couldn't wait to, like, fire people. Right. I was like, now these bastards are going to pay. <laughs> And uh, they did. It yeah. was fantastic. No, but, I mean, it was cool having the number one show. It yeah. was cool. And, I mean, it was, of course, such a gigantic show. And then you tell the story about the Star Spangled Banner here in your book. Mm -hmm. And it it's an amazing thing to see where that started to steamroll against you. And you didn't even realize it at first. No. You didn't. At first, I was like, how? Yeah. that It was so scary and so ugly you know but you know like a lot of scary ugly things that happen to people well it ends up to be a great opportunity for growth and change and it right. did change me completely it changed everything in my life it really did so you know in the end i mean i'm you know i i hate i don't like it when people say well you know the abuse i'm like people who are abused as kids mm -hmm. they say well it made me who i am well that's kind of difficult to for me to go down that road and be like, well, maybe you are who you are in spite of the abuse, but don't right. thank the negative. But uh, I don't want to thank that, you know, I had death threats and all this horrible stuff, but it was an opportunity for growth. And thankfully, I got on the right side of things mm -hmm. at that point. I got off all those drugs, you know, all, all those psychiatric drugs. And, uh, you know, I was on them a lot when I sang that song. And as soon as I got off, you know, those, 
I had to learn to just handle my anxiety without psychiatric drugs. Well, and you, stuff. you're actually in front of the curve because now the rest of the country are on those same drugs. I know. Now people are getting off them, and uh, so I always go around telling people it really is meditation is something that really will help you. And you know, reality. I mean, facing reality is hard at first, but after a while, it's kind of okay, and then mm-hmm. you die. What the hell? Yeah. You, a lot of chocolate helps. Yeah, you have this one experience here on the planet. You might as well be kind of awake for it. Or you know? not. I yeah. mean, if you don't want it, that's cool, too. But it is. I can understand people that are like, don't want to be awake. Yeah. You want to just sleep through the entire experience. Sure, it's one way to go. Um, one of the things that you kind of unleashed on the country, and you talk about this a little Uh-oh, bit. Oh, the nudity? No. No. What? Tom Arnold. Even yeah, worse, I know. You introduced Tom Arnold to the to the country. I did. Yeah, he's funny. You know, a lot of people like him. You know, he's funny. I thought he was funny. I was, uh, you know, whatever. You know, when you're mm-hmm. young, I don't know. I was. I think I was on the drugs then too. I don't know. Because he was a guy that you kind of pulled out of obscurity, made him your writer. He ended up producing yeah. the show, being on the show. I mean, it was a very it was, and it, you guys were in the papers constantly I know. at that time. I've blanked that out. <laughs> I, I, I've blanked out those years. Well, I talked to him. I mean, that was just, I know people like, they're always associating me with that, but that was like 16 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I've been, I've had a, several divorces since that <laughs> and uh, bad relationships. And I think that we should talk about some of them. Well, right now I'm in a really good one, though, and I have been in a good, pretty good relationship for eight years. And it's, you know, I, I think I sort of learned my lesson. Like, you're supposed to be nice to the other person. I didn't know that. <laughs> so that was a big lesson. So there for a while that. was just about the pain that you're in, just about what you were going through on a daily basis? Huh? In other words, you're saying being nice to the other person. Sometimes when you're in that kind of pain before... You know, with the drugs and stuff, it's hard to focus on other folks. Well, I had a lot of emotional tics, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And so I probably wasn't the best person to get in a relationship with. And, you know, I think that my ex-husbands, all three of them, can attest to that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But the other amazing thing is, unlike a lot of people that had the same kind of stardom as you, you live through it. There's a lot of people who didn't. I say that all the time, a lot of people who, uh, it's it's not just stardom, and you know, but it was like, you know, you can't go outside your house. Right. And so that's not just stardom, it's some other level of it. And you you cannot go outside. People are in your yard. I mean, not anymore, but back then, you know. And uh, being under the microscope, man, nobody can take it. It's hard. It's harsh. Being being everybody's example for who they're, you know, taken down, it's harsh. Isn't that funny, though, that that is kind of the American dream, that people fantasize about that kind of stardom? I sure did. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. it, it, it's an industry itself about being a star and what stars do. And Elvis couldn't do it, and right. Michael Jackson couldn't no. do it. Uh-uh. And these were incredibly talented people. Yeah, they were. And ended up in some kind of a strange hell man you get the you get you just attract like you know you you know that that level of stardom it attracts like a, a lot of uh you know vampires to it mm-hmm. and um creative people in hollywood you attract a lot of people that 
are not like say they're just not the best people right you know and, and it's wall to wall and uh, it's like well after a while you're like man these people i'm i'm like i'm a bait and they're mm-hmm. like they're just eating my flesh i mean it really does feel like that enjoy yourselves enjoy your lunch <laughs> but uh yeah it felt like that and, and it, i needed to get away and i mean i you know uh, times you can't get away, but um, I understand all that stuff, and I am I am lucky that I'm alive, and for the way I live my life, I'm really lucky sure. that I'm alive and that I have five grandkids, and uh, you know I'm still going, still telling the stories, which not still, everyone is. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, proud it, of that. it's tough to keep that going. Uh, you also talk in the book about Mike Tyson and the interview that you did with him, and I was there in Vegas the night that. He bit All, yeah, the bite. Yeah, the, the bite took place, and I was too. Uh, yeah, I read about it in the, in the book, and the craziness that happened. Could when you that, believe and no. how fast it went? It's like chomp. Okay, we're out of here. Yeah, the, almost the entire audience got up and just filed out single-handedly as fast as they could. The whole audience. Oh yeah, it it went crazy there. And the wasn't that the night Tupac got shot? Too? No, it was it was the he got shot much not that long after that it was the next Tyson I think. Mm-hmm. But the that night they had to shut the casino down because the riots were going places. And the craziest thing was, and there was like 150 celebrities, yeah. you know, Jack Nicholson type celebrities, and yourself, and all this craziness went down. And I finally got back to my room and turned on the TV. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing in the news about yeah, it. Totally. None of it took place. Total blackout. But that, I think, was one of the reasons that you were able to relate to Mike because he is another one of those guys who had that kind of fame. Well, that- Mike called me, you know, I was doing the Roseanne show and Mike, Mike called me and he's like, you're, you're the only celebrity on TV that I, I want to give an interview to coming out of prison. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God. And I just have to thank Mike because I did get a talk show out of that, you know, and it was a great interview. And, um, you know, I just like loved mike I, I you know people say well he this and that well i know but uh, for what mike told me in those rooms and for how mike related to me it it was it was you know i just loved mike uh, he's you know he said that uh, you know the judge gave him a chance to uh, not go to prison by simply a you know, fessing up and saying, I did do this. But he said to me, I, I was not going to, uh, you know, to, you know, I, I wasn't going to say I did something that I didn't do. And so that is, in fact, why he went to prison. And it put a different paint on the whole Mike Tyson thing. And mm-hmm. he's he's just, you know, always been so nice to me. And, you know, I, I just feel kind of bad for people at that level of fame. I was walking behind Mike. We were in Vegas and we're with Don King. I, I'm walking behind Mike in the mall, and Don King's like, "Ladies and gentlemen, Roseanne Barr, Mike Tyson," and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh Christ, this guy never shuts up." <laughs> but I was behind Mike, and to see these people that were running towards Mike, they, they didn't see me or care about me, but it was all Mike. The look on their face of these kids is like, man, you have to take that in of how these kids look towards Mike, and uh, you know, you have to take that in. Yeah, he means a lot to to a lot of people, and so. Well, there, just a documentary got done on him. I saw it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, wasn't uh, it fantastic? Yeah, it was terrific, and uh, I had the director in to talk about it. And you know, Mike went through something like uh, half a billion dollars, something crazy, where yeah. it, it's all that money is gone, and you wonder. You know how that could happen, but well, because you, you aren't watching it yourself, and yeah. like again, you get a lot of vampires that come towards you. 
And there's no real training. There's no, no real training to say, here's how you deal with that kind of fame. Now, if somebody could meet you as you're getting famous and say, hey, here's the people, here's here's the right accountant and here's the right lawyer. It's really yeah. it's really that you have to protect yourself against your own representatives. And, you know, that's really what the real pact with the devil is about there. Uh, Rose Anarchy is the book. Uh, Roseanne, so nice to uh, meet you, and thanks so much for stopping thanks by. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll see you the next time. Through. All right. Thanks a lot.
A uh, little anarchy. Roseanne Barr was just in with us. Uh, Roseanne anarchy. Yeah. You know what uh, I like is, like, you'll be talking to her, and Brian Wilson was, like, the same way, and then every once in a while she's like, what? Well, anyway, what are we uh, what are we doing? And I don't know why, like, they didn't bring, like, one of her people in with her, but she would constantly look around to see. Uh, and then, of course, um, I had to go help her get out the door because the door confused her. Oh, um, I, what I want to do, Hicks, yes, is try to figure out a producer's meeting on how to get people in and out of this room, and how to set the room up and the mic for them, and to know that some of these people, you know, you know, it's Roseanne. You know, she's going to be a little confused. Speaking of confusion, I looked over on two hundred two friends, and um, it says, "I can't believe that Ron and Fez don't remember the rule change since they did a show on it last year." Uh, I really don't remember that when they voted in. No, I don't remember that at all. Um, John, you're on the Run of Fez show. New Year. I got. I called you guys earlier last year about the Oxycontin deal. Um, I'm down here in Tennessee. And, um, you know, it's all over the place, but I got, I got to get, I got an itchy bond terrible. I got to get out. Um, I'm on 240 milligrams of Oxycontin and 60 milligrams of Oxycodone every day. I got pins in my legs, pins in my back, and then little Johnny, you know, down the street, overdoses, so they change everything. Nothing works. I'm hoping to get other people's opinion on this shit. It ain't just about drug addicts. It's about people trying to stay out of pain. But the FDA makes Purdue change Oxycontin, so it doesn't work. The only thing that works is the oxy, instant release oxycodone. Oxycontin sucks. They can't even sell it anymore. <laughs> so I'm hoping to get your little opinion on that, and maybe somebody else may feel where I'm coming from. Dude, there's always going to be a new dope. You don't have to worry. The drug companies are good for that. And obviously the Oxycontin thing has become big news and now it's in the papers and shit, so they're weirded out. But what you're saying is a person like yourself can't get your medication because everybody else is abusing it. Well, I'm getting I'm getting my medication, but with what they did to the Oxycontin, it doesn't work anymore. And see, I take mine whole. Other people used to snort it and shoot it up to get fucked up. I'm taking mine regular, so I'm paying the price for the addicts out there that were shooting up and overdosing and dying, so they said they had to do something to it. Well, the only thing I got left is morphine and oxycodone. If they take them two things away, um, I'm finished. Well, why are your legs like, in such bad shape? What happened to you? I got fucked up in a motorcycle accident. You know, I got pins in my legs and my back, and uh, I can't work anymore. And it's like, you know, listening to your survey days what gets me by. And uh, That's sad. You know, but now I'm fucked up because... Of people that abuse the shit, and I'm sure other people feel what I'm coming from, and it's hard as shit, man. I mean, you go, you go through. I've been on it for seven years, and all of a sudden they change it. I mean, where, what the fuck happened? They changed it in four months. So, so now, it's, but know? here's what I don't understand: in seven years, you're in constant pain. There's no kind of operation for you. There's no yeah. other kind of therapy that you could do. Massive, you know, massive surgeries, but more surgeries bring a more more scar tissue, more pain. And what you've been taking pain meds for so long, um, if you go to rehab, they give you, uh, what, Suboxone. Suboxone is an opiate, too, so you can't get off that, or methadone. So you're kind of fucked. Everything starts out with a little pill, a little Percocet pill, and you end up, 
uh, what, seven years later, taking over 300 milligrams of uh, fucking oxycodone, and then your life screwed. It's amazing how many people can end up talking like a pharmacist. Like you get, I mean, he literally sounds like he's been educated in uh, pain relief. Uh, hold on, here's Scott. Might have some help for you. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, what's going on, boys? Yeah, you take the oxycodone these days. They got a time release on it. So you stick that back, put water on it, rub off the time release, and you just ingest that, and you'll be good to go. Either that or shoot up heroin. I just don't think that there's that that there any of these drugs have been made for long term thing. You know, most of it you would think that it's short term and to the body heals. You can't expect a drug to kill pain for seven, eight, ten years. I don't see how you wouldn't become uh, immune to it at some point. All right, uh, we're going to um, break here. Uh, Hicks, something's been driving you crazy though. Yeah, I'm losing my shit all over the fucking place. Why don't you just calm the fuck down, dude? I'm pissed. Calm the fuck down. I'm really angry. It's about Facebook. Baseball? Facebook. Oh, Facebook. Every fucking day. Not every day. Seriously, it's close to every day. I don't think every day. The thing that has you angry is fucking Facebook. Move on. The Shorty Awards are coming up. Dave is up for one. I'm going to start the Facey Awards. Uh, Sleeves is up for an award. And it looks like the political award this year could go to Lady Trucker, and Lord knows she deserves it. She could run away with it. So why are you still playing this 2006 game of Facebook with me? Well, that's why. I, it's, 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 I shouldn't be. That's why I'm angry. And Look still at in the, the news. calendar. We're in the 11s, motherfucker. 2011. All right, I'm running and gunning with fucking Roseanne Barr. Here's what I. Here's what. I, what makes me laugh about Roseanne too, is like. Can we not bring up Tom Arnold? I've been in so many other relationships. You did two chapters about Tom Arnold, your book. Jesus Christ. I'm not hounding you. I'm talking about your current work, your book. You're promoting this. You know, enough with Tom. Where are we anyway? What is this place? I'm not in, I'm not in my house right now. There's a bunker. I really liked her a lot more than I thought I would, though. She was really cool. Yeah. I love Roseanne. I like anybody who was at that Mike Tyson fight, too. That was a weird fucking night, man. That was the weirdest night ever. So awesome. And it will never, you know, it never fucking comes up of what took place in that casino. And I know they fucking dug some holes in the desert for some of those fuckers. Because they were knocking over fucking tables and grabbing chips. Holy shit. It was... That sounds... It was the strangest. Ridiculously cool. But I was just staring at Gina Gershon. I was just like... I wish somebody would grab Gina Gershon and then I could save her. Was that was it? Had she made bound by that by that point? Yeah. Oh, that was bound time. I think it's awesome. Was Jeffrey Tilly there too, I, just by chance? No, but I I'm not, you know now I'm wondering about bound, but I know she had the showgirls. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we trust me, you would have batched to her by this Perfect. point. All right, we're gonna be, uh, break here and we come back. Like always, we'll talk with Chris Stanley about Facebook. It's the Ron Fez Show. Ronnie B, Fezzy W. Fez. Serious 197, XM 202. The virus. Please leave a message at the tone. Hey, darling, I wanted to get a hold of you. Go out for a picnic on Sunday. This is number four. Got a little problem. We're playing a game. I forgot to tell you, I'm a quarterback on the team. Maybe you heard of us. We're called the Packers. I mean the Jets. No, I mean the Vikings. I played a lot of places. Do me a favor. 
uh, never fuck or blow Tom Brady. Because I heard from quite a few people. He's a piece of garbage and probably has some kind of salmonella venereal disease. Uh, you didn't put any of these tapes on the internet, did you, honey? Because that'll make me look batshit nuts. Serious. Send me a picture of Jana. Please leave a message at the tone. Hey, baby, it's number four, Brett Favre. Just sitting here reading in that. A new, brand new book I'm looking at. It's called You Might Be a Redneck If. And it is so goddamn funny. Uh, I hope they make it into a movie. Well, I'm going to read one to you. You might be a redneck if you ever blow Brett Favre. That's some funny shit. Jeff Foxworthy, you're worth your weight in gold. Do me a favor, honey, call me back. Old number four. Uh, my number's four, 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 four. Please leave a message at the tone. Pick up, 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 pick up. Oh, shit. The virus. Sirius 197 XM 202. Ron and Fez. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? Run a Fez show. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Chris Facey Stanley is going to face down Facebook for the ninth time this uh -oh. month. No, not this month. Well, I've only been on twice. This is the third show of the day. A uh, month goes back 30 days. Oh, okay. As in, I don't just fucking reboot time. I don't act like December hasn't happened. Try to put that behind us. I'm not Roseanne. I know where I am right now. I'm completely fine with where I'm sitting. That's cool. Mm. All right, so Goldman Sachs uh, has valued Facebook at $50 billion after investing like $250 million into it. And so they reckon making Zuckerberg... All right, wait. Let's go back to this again. Goldman Sachs mm -hmm. valued Facebook, has valued, officially valued Facebook at $50 billion. That fucking website's worth fifty billion dollars. Not to me. And the brand. Around. I ain't gonna pay for that. That's too much. <laughs> <laughs> they better get somebody else because I ain't a buyer. I don't know why so, Zuckerberg isn't selling. Well, because he likes doing Facebook. It's gonna fall out. Doesn't he see that it's it's everything just shits the bed? You understand? He's retarded. He doesn't care about money. He has no use for money. But doesn't he look at the past and realize that it's going to gonna go the way of Yeah, but else? money doesn't fucking matter to him. What matters to him is that he gets to do what he wants to do on a daily basis. We've gotten into this strange thing in the United States of America. And I know this because I live there. Where everyone just thinks money is the only type of success. This is a very, uh, you know, this is a tie-in with Roseanne. Roseanne started out as a stand-up, then she got a TV show, and at some point, this American success had completely choked her out, and perhaps made her insane. 
So, and it happens to tons of people. I mean, we, you know, I brought up Elvis to her. Michael Jackson, these were highly talented people that American success had destroyed. And your thing, Chris Stanley, is that you only see success as financial. You don't see it anyway, right? That's the the big, yeah, the big big thing, yeah. Now, how much money do you think it, it takes to be a success? I say... You're making oh, hot mid six figures. Say, yeah, that's just the low end of being. All right, I'm successful. I'm doing okay. So, what is successful to you then? Success is being financially comfortable, mm-hmm. um, and you know, having like good relationships in your life. It's it's it's. One oh, to, now you've added other things. Well, yeah, that's 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 next. Money's on top, just because if you're broke all the time, you're right. gonna be fucking miserable. If you're fighting for cash, it's gonna affect every other piece of your life. All right, so it's not even just a matter of comfort for you. It has to be an excess of money. But then secondary, you need good relationships. Yeah. Now, what constitutes a good relationship for you? Uh, friends that you can count on and a woman in your, or woman or man in your life, someone that you can love. I had no idea you were bisexual. I fucking no. suspected no. because you don't cut your hair. I only like women. And yet you said man or woman. Well, I'm, I'm speaking for everyone here. I don't want to just... Put everything in my personal shit. I never remember saying, wait a minute, I need Chris Stanley to be the spokesman for all the sexes. You spoke for yourself. You said you needed a woman or a man in your life to make you feel happy. Just a woman. You know what I think uh, yeah. success is? What's that? Parents. Oh, come on. I know. That was a fucking, it was a, it was a, a shot and it was uncalled for, but you left it wide open when you forgot I've started a conversation, and I don't have parents. It could come up. I guess that's every conversation, then. I'm fucked. <laughs> you, are. you don't stand a huge fucking chance to win a, uh, a discussion. All right, so I'm, not, I'm interested in your opinion, too. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. What is true success? Because I'm going to let you in on something here, I believe. That this whole feeling of uh, success, um, happiness, contentment, generally it's just a momentary thing that you get from time to time, and then you go back into it. Like if he, if he uh, sold his fucking uh, property, if he sold his Facebook that he does every day for 12 hours, the day that he sell, sells it, he might be like, Yay, look what I have achieved. Look what I did. Then after that, he's like, now what do I do, though? What he really finds out is being successful is maintaining that thing that he built. Now, not everybody is that success. You know what I mean? Not everybody cares about that. But there is so many times in this country that you've seen family farms. And they go, all of a sudden, they find out their family farm is worth millions of dollars, so they sell it. And then the family dissolves. The family goes off and does weird things. And you really do, you give up quite a bit. You give up quite a bit. But this whole thing about feeling successful, I think, is mythology. I don't think most people, even the ones that are doing well, feel all this feeling of success. I mean, you bring up money, relationships. You would think that would be it, but look. A ball player can have that, yet he's still going to feel the stress of, I've got to compete. 
uh, a rock star could have that. And then how come you talk to so many rock stars? I was so empty. I was so fucked up on the drugs, the hangers-on. I mean... You hear Roseanne talking today about just feeling like you're a fucking fish and these other things are eating at you. I'm going to tell you the truth. I believe her 100%. I think that she found herself in a nightmare fucking world of chasing, uh, of actually achieving everything that you set out to do. Here is Kevin. Kevin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Ronnie, with a lot of these stars, it seems like once they become successful, if they can't continue to become successful, in their eyes, they're unsuccessful. I wanted your opinion on that. Well, it is an interesting uh, thing. And we hear about it all the time where someone says uh, someone is a one-trick wonder or they're just such an 80s dinosaur, whatever it happens to be. Like, you can really look at people that have have cheesed everything that Hicks has called success, and then they still be called a failure by someone else. We brought up Pauly Shore, who I did the unmasked with, that Roseanne suddenly thought that she was bad-mouthing when I don't think she was. I mean, we weren't talking about any of his talent. We were just talking about what happens sometimes yeah. when you get successful fast, it's still going to come back and, and fucking bite you on the ass. You're still going to have to deal with it. Um, here is... Ted, Ted, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, boy, it sounds like a million bucks. Uh, you know, Pepper, I, I kind of agree with you in that the financial thing, like, you know, somebody said, having money's not everything, but not having it is. When you're fucking broke, you cannot think about anything other than how am I going to pay this rent? How am I going to fucking get food on my uh, kid's table? What about this, though? What about your kidneys shut down? You ain't going to think about anything else. Yeah. What about if that your is- chick dies? You're not going to think about anything else. I mean, this thing that money is suddenly more important than your your chick, your kidneys, your fucking throat, your asshole, any of the things that could fucking physically go wrong with you, there's a ton of them. There's a ton of things that can go wrong every... How many successful people are going to be driving home tonight and end up in a fucking two-car pileup? And then that's all they're going to be focused on. Look at that guy who called a little while ago. Uh, seven, eight years ago, he gets in a motorcycle accident, and in eight years he hasn't had thought about anything other than his own pain. Believe me when I tell you, money can't fucking re- re- relieve that pain. Oxycontin could slow it down, morphine could put it back a little bit, but it's not 100% um, success. Uh, it's not this whole thing that is just money. Now, does money play a part of it? Goddamn right, because I do agree that you have to, you know, take care of the the shelter things and all that, right? But if you find people in this country uh, that are making a living, putting a little bit of of it away, and say to them, "Do you feel successful?" They're like, "No, I got fucking busting my ass every week just to be here." Yet, there's somebody in fucking Africa, it'd be like, "Look at this fucker." Clean run, run, uh, running water. Got a place to piss. Have a box that you can put fucking food into and it cooks. What a success story. But you don't feel like one. Um, let's go over here to Josh. Josh, you're on Hey, guys. Um, what about your peer group? You know, like the kids you went to high school and grew up with. I mean, I'm in my late 20s, and, you know, just comparing myself to them, 
it, just thinking about how good things are, I mean, that makes me feel successful. I mean, just your peer group in general. You know, if you're around people who have a lot of money, you may feel like you're below that standard. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus on Beverly Hills High instead of the kids, that the fucking bums you grew up with. Because believe <laughs> me, I'm not fucking kidding you when I say this. I know certain people, and I can agree with it, they see successes. Hey, I'm staying out of jail. You know what I mean? Because look how many guys I know. They went yeah. to fucking jail. I, that There is fucking truth to that. Now, in the, in the meantime, if you're comparing yourself to the kids that you went to high school with 10 years after the fact, you've stunted your fucking growth 100%. You are no longer uh, doing what, focusing on what you should be focusing on. You're just fucking sitting there watching the world go by. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Ronnie in New Orleans, join the Ron Fez Show. Hey, Ron. Uh, two things. Um, you know, I have a, a friend who used to be all about busting his ass for money, and right. then his daughter got leukemia, and she's in remission now. She's 11 years old, and he told me, he said, you know, success for us is every time we go to the doctor, and that child's still in remission, so all the money bullshit goes away. But the other thing I was going to ask you was, have you, have you spoken, have you interviewed Sofia Coppola about her new movie? Because it seems like she's really tapped into that with the new movie about the guy who's rich and successful and he just basically is floating along. And I'm going to hang up and listen. Uh, no, I haven't had her in. Um, I mean, I would love to. I did see the movie she did with Stephen uh, Dorff. Uh, and it is basically, it's about a guy who's found some kind of success in Hollywood He's kind of a Keanu Reeves type. You know how people like to joke about, oh, Keanu Reeves is sad, blah, blah, blah. Oh. Um, he's just kind of going along with this thing that started. And yet in the film, he doesn't necessarily seem like he's successful. And at the start of the film, he's somewhere distanced from his own daughter. And just because that's where life is uh, taking him. It doesn't necessarily mean that he set out to do that or he's a bad guy. But you cannot measure success solely on on the fact of what Chris Stanley's saying. you got to think to yourself, am I contributing? Am I involved? Am I part of this? Um, am I part of the, the, the entire experience of life? I got into that with Roseanne. This whole thing of, you know, if you stay drugged up, over the course of life, you can miss it. And then Roseanne's like, yeah, I don't blame anyone though, for wanting to do it. You know, it is a choice to make. Uh, everyone makes the choice at some fucking point. Love. I'm checking out. And you don't even need drugs and alcohol to check out. Sometimes you could just, I'm checked out for a while. I'm not part of this. Hard Rock Johnny, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hello, boys. Yeah. How are you? Um, uh, I, I, I don't think money is success. I mean, I think I think society looks at it that way. But I mean, I grew up. My, you know, we had some money. My father was never, you know, never rich or anything. But I think that my father lived a successful life. I feel that I'm pretty successful in my job and my career. And you know, I struggle day to day like anyone else would. Who's pretty successful, Johnny. You're running the Hard Rock in Times Square. <laughs> Every single day, you're walking past a piece of clothing worn by a rock icon. You're the most successful person ever. I don't think so, but, you know, I do see a lot of famous bands. You do. You see famous bands, and you get them food backstage if they want it. You take Sometimes. care of them. Do you guys need any more beer? <laughs> 
I sense some sarcasm there somewhere. No, I'm being. I know I'm not being sarcastic. No, I think that you're a successful person because I will say this about you, Johnny. You seem to enjoy life. Yeah, yeah, I do. I not everybody I, does. There's a lot of people of that don't. You have to live it. I mean, what the hell? You die tomorrow. What, you didn't live it. What, what fun is it? Well, if you die tomorrow, who gives a shit whether you had a good time or not today, though, right? I mean, once tomorrow comes. Yeah, you never know. You Johnny, never your know. whole big thing is always push in. Push all your chips in. Bet hard and heavy. Absolutely. Mm. You can't live any other way. It's no fun. All right, Johnny. Nice to talk to you, Ronnie. Right, grow your rat tail back, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy? <laughs> Bye. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um, here is Joe. Joe, you're on run a fez Joe. Hey, man. What do you got? I was just going to tell you, I just, uh, just got through reading a book that's actually really, really close to what you're talking about. I can't remember the author, but the, uh, the book's called Happier, and it actually talks about the, the link between success and and just that, that internal kind of quest for success and happiness. Well, give us the crib how, notes so we don't have to read this book. What's yeah, the, the one the, thing the to take notes, out of this book? Well, it's, it's, it's the simple fact of, of that happiness is fleeting. And if you're, if you're expecting something in your life to make you happy or, or some certain point in your life to define what you consider to be successful, it's not an event. It's something that, that you constantly have to work at and constantly have to evolve. And, and and so don't expect it to just happen. It's not something that happens in your life. See, and I, I will agree with this, and people forget this, but the wheel turns. And when you are feeling really good, it may mean I'm not going to be feeling this good later. You know what I mean? It may mean, hey, things are going so well, I'm about to run into some rough times. But when there is rough times... It doesn't mean that you are stuck because, again, the wheel is going to turn and good times are coming. It's not that different from the seasons where you can sit around on the shortest day of the year and say, well, this is it. After today, we get more light. And you can find a way of feeling good about that. But you can sit around on the longest day of the year and say, starting you know, tomorrow, there's less and less light. Every single day. So it's not going to be this long-term thing. And the weird thing that we we have in this country is that when we hit the lottery sometime, we quit our job. Oh, I can't wait to hit the lottery. I'm going to quit my job. The funny thing is, you know who doesn't quit their job is really rich people. If you look at the really wealthy people, they get up and go to work every day. Why is Bill Gates still wearing that tie? Why does Bill Gates have an alarm clock? <laughs> if if I was fucking Bill Gates, the only way that I would be woken up is drunk face down in the pool. There would have to be some kind of a Mexican fucking gardener diving into the pool, shaking me awake because I'd be all fucked up and drunk because I would be totally irresponsible with it. But again, this is life. You, It's almost like if you had a birthday party every day, why would you give a shit? The only reason why you have any happy moments of all is because you have sad moments.
that this whole thing of somehow happiness is going to come to me and then I will have happiness. It just doesn't exist. You have a couple happy moments. Guess what? Hang on to them. Put them in your memory so you can remember that when things are just as fucking shitty as shitty can be. Um, here is here's Ray. Ray, you're on Run the Fest Show. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks for um, sounding like an AM radio caller. <laughs> who's, who's to say that uh, success is uh, measured by the amount of money you have? I mean, can't you just love what you do from day to day? And if it means barely getting by and somebody asks you if you're successful and you love it, then, you know, who's to say that's not true? Um, well, Chris Stanley, you don't love your life right now. You say you despise your life and you see your chick once a week and you kind of like that, right? No. Not at all. You don't like being with your chick. I do like being with her. I'd like to see her more. Well, you guys live how close to each other? About a 15-minute walk. So why don't you spend more time together? Because I I get home and I'm a, I, I get to my apartment and I pass out usually when I get home out of, out of work. I'm fucking tired. Has there ever been a time that you've been with your woman and you were sober? Well, let me change that and not at the track. Oh. Because I know you try to keep a clear head at the track. Well, the first part of the race is once you get to ninth or tenth, it's you know. Well, sure, depression sets in. You got to drink that away. <laughs> um, let's go over here to John. John, you're on the Run Fest show. Yo, Ronnie. Uh, I've seen a little success. I have a little money in my life too. But the problem is, is the happiness doesn't come from that. I always find myself going back to the vices. You said it yourself. You only get happy because you're sad, and you got to base those two things together. How sad can you possibly be? So anything less than sad has got to be happy. I mean, today I was happy that someone wasn't looking at my gut, and, you know, I'm out on the fucking ice. It's, it's, it's just tough. You, you, you can't not be happy. Well, the, be the weird thing is, like, you can sit on your, your fucking couch and be depressed for a long period of time. It's a comfortable fucking feeling to have. But if you sat on your couch and were just content, you'd probably feel like a retard. You'd probably feel like the fucking village idiot just sitting there smiling. What are you smiling at, Ron? Oh, no. Just having a good feeling. They'd be like this. Well, I'm going to get you a fucking sandwich and an apple because you can't seem to take care of yourself. You're too fucking stupid to enjoy life. You're just staring at the wall there. I mean, um, It's... It's ju- it just comes, you hold on to it while you can, and then when you don't have it, you use it as memories. But I'll tell you this, if you want to wish a curse on someone, give them the American version of success, money, fame, and you will watch that person crack up. TMZ. Yeah, that thing that Roseanne was talking about, that kind of fame that Americans dream about. And like she said, she dreamt about it too. Till the fucking day she got it and felt like she was under a microscope. Felt like she couldn't make a single move. Now how look how crazy we've got. We've turned into where the Kardashians say, oh, I want the paparazzi basically in my home. Follow me around. Here's me fucking. How far are we going to be away? So in this country where you just watch famous people take a shit. You'll just be like watching a TV show, and Donald Trump will just be dropping a fucking log, reading the goddamn uh, 
New York Times while he's sitting there. We're almost there. We are almost there. Um, Phil, Phil, you're on the run of fish. Uh, the way I consider myself successful and I keep my life happy is I'm constantly adding new things to just keep things new and fresh. All right. See, there's an interesting point. Challenges. New challenges because there is something in life about setting up a challenge for yourself and then achieving that goal. Achieving that goal. Even if it means failing at that goal for a while because then when you achieve it it feels even better so again the success seems to come from the odds are stacked against me and I have to struggle to get something not the kind of success that we really think is success in this country is that born into a really great situation trust fund yeah, where you're just some kind of a trust fund baby. You fucking wake up, you look at your fucking, you look at that little uh, wrist thing that you got, and it says the world in the back, Rockefeller? Fuck yeah. Because then you're going, wait, that Rockefeller? Not like Rockefeller Records, but Rockefeller. Old money. Um, Ray, you're on the Run of Fish show. What's up, boys? Yeah. Hey, isn't success measured by how many friends you have on Facebook? How um, how many friends you have right now, Hicks? Oh, a couple hundred. I don't really go on Facebook all that much anymore. Do you well, do you like your friends or your followers better? Do you like your Facebook friends better than your Twitter followers? Well, followers sounds better. Where are you following me to, you fucking followers? Uh, Joe, Joe, you're in my face. Afternoon, boys. Um, something to do to make myself better. I actually started just a couple days ago. I'm getting rid of one item a day out of my life, uh, putting it up on my blog. And, and, you know, it's really good. I'm getting rid of a lot of clutter. I feel good about myself. What kind of stuff have you gotten rid of? Uh, listen to this one. I actually had a backup espresso machine. Who needs two espresso? (laughs) It is weird. Well, you know what? Here's the weird thing about it. When you get, and this is a weird deal. Because when you get money, like we're saying, setting up those small things in life to achieve can bring happiness. You start to treat shopping like that. Like you're like, I've been looking through magazines and I'm really uh, settling in on this one. I want you to drive out with me. I want you to look at these skis. Do you ski? Not yet, but I plan on it. So you start to treat like the shopping like you were hunting. A little bit. Little projects for yourself. Yeah, and then maybe you'll use it once or twice and it ends up in the garage. And then it looks like failure, obviously. You're like, why is my garage filled with shit? Why do I have golf clubs and skis when I don't golf or ski? Uh, coming up in a little bit on the show, uh, Jermaine Lassier will give us his top um, ten list. Um, I saw the King's speech. Last night. How was that? And it was, well, first of all, it was an unbelievable story. Uh, And I I fair to believe believe that it's even true. You have this guy. He's a talented, powerful man. But every time he's in front of a microphone, he's unable to communicate or spit anything out. 
And I was just uh, sitting there watching it going like this. Bullshit. Bullshit. And then finally the people around me are going, um, we got it. You don't like the movie. Why don't you leave? You don't have to just sit here and watch bullshit. And then I, w- I went like this at her. Turn around. Turn around. Um, it was actually a pretty fine movie. And I would love to hate it. Every year there's uh, the English royalty Oscar film that comes out. I mean, you could actually have a fucking calendar that has, oh, this is when the English royalty Oscar film is released. So uh, the grills are saying to me, oh, we want to go see the King's of I don't know. No, nothing's going to happen in the King's speech, but reading good things about it. I go there. Minutes in, I have to say to myself, this is a real fucking good movie. <laughs> All right. And I was pissed. I was like a little bit. Part of me was like completely pissed that uh, it was good. It just sucked you in immediately. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really good actors. It's an interesting little story. Uh, true story of the king. And again, here's fucking success. You're born a prince. You become king. And it was like a fucking nightmare for this guy. He was fucking sitting there in front of the microphone, not being able to fucking talk to his own people. It was like a terror for him. You're like World War II, right? Well, don't ruin it for people, but yeah, Hitler was coming on. Well, people know who Hitler is. Well, see, up, you know, before that, they had just kind of invented the radio or wireless, the way I, I called it in England when I was growing up. But the. Until then, this king never would have had to make a speech. His life, he just went around waving and doing king shit. Now this new king is like, I've got to be able to fucking sit there and talk. This is a fucking nightmare. Oh, man. So he would just let everybody talk for him for a while. And then finally he had to make what I call the king's speech. Mm. I'll also uh, point this out. The movie popcorn is getting worse and worse. What are you talking about? It's just, it's... Tasting more and more tasteless. You got better. You got butter on it, though, right? It's not butter, dude. If it was butter, we'd have something. It's so good. It's fucking grease that you Whatever. get from nowhere. I like it a lot. I know that you like things. I but, sure do like things. When's the last time you've been to a movie? You went to see True Grit? I saw Tron. Actually, I, got, I downloaded True Grit last night. And I guess you haven't watched it? I did watch it. I loved it. You remind me of that guy at the end that was fucking trying to hurt the girl. I grow my beard out more. Uh, so coming up, we're going to be talking with G Baby, Jermaine Lassier, about his top ten list, and then I think he has some of his worst of list, and then um, things that he's looking forward to next year. Sneak peeks. Is that what he's doing? He's sneaking and peeking. I believe so. Let's give a little insight into the year ahead in the film. I, I still have a couple more films I need to see this year. I need to see Blue Valentine. And I think there may be one more that's getting a little bit of heat that I wanted to see. Oh, I know. I still haven't seen 127 hours. It sounds like it's going to last too long. I don't want to be in there for 127 hours. No, it's edited. The magic of film. They are magical, aren't they? The way they edit don't you wish you could edit your life or just kind of fucking turn your life into a sizzle reel? 
just a sizzle reel that was ready to go at any I'll moment. I'll montage this shit up. It'd be great. You can montage it and play a fucking Motown song in the background. What would be your uh, fucking Motown song, Hicks? Tears of a Clown. Mine would be Does Your Mama Know About Me, written by the great, and I do mean great, Tommy Chung. Oh, by the way, I found some in-deep fucking Motown DJ on YouTube that I fucking adore now. Oh, What's his name? Tommy Chung wrote this fucking bit. Blows me away that Tommy Chong wrote a Motown song. It's awesome. Well, see, here's the funny thing about it: is like this song got used for like you know black kids saying to white girls, "Does your mama know about me?" But the reality of it is, Tommy Chong was worried about the black parents knowing what his Chinese Canadian ass. Like, what are you doing out there with a Chinese Canadian? I didn't raise you that way, Letitia. Makes no sense. You ever see Tommy's uh, daughter? No, I haven't. Ray Dong Chong? Ray Dong, no. She was a uh, movie star in the uh, 80s. Uh, look her up right now. And Holy get some. Shit. Yeah, she's gorgeous. <laughs> wow, she's really fucking beautiful. Yeah, she's, she's gorgeous. Good for Tommy. Whoa, do you think he's going to be all proud? Sure. Cool name too, Ray Don. Yeah, I don't even know where that comes from. Oh, there's the picture of her right there. Now I can look at it. All right, we're going to take a break here. Coming up in just a little bit. It's time to talk movie of the year. Do you have a movie of the year yet, Hicks? Yeah, I have a movie of the year. Just tell me what it is. I don't know. Maybe we should wait for until... Come on, tell me. Are you sure? Yeah. Exit to the gift shop. Really? Yeah. Documentary. Yeah. What about a movie movie? Oh, a real film? Yeah. Social Network. I caught it over the break. I thought I, that was it's my favorite thing. I haven't, I, it's my favorite thing so far this year, oddly enough. My favorite movie this year is Animal House. Didn't come out this year. Doesn't matter. It's still fucking great. Okay. Um, 
All right, we're going to uh, break. Be back in just a little bit. And coming up in a little bit, we'll be talking movies with uh, G-Baby. Jermaine Lassier, as you know, I'm online. Ronnie B, Fezzy W. Ronnie Fez. <laughs> Sirius 197, XM202, The Virus. someone look at a, a little handicapped and go, oh, look at him. He's not able-bodied. I am. I'm prejudiced. Yeah? Well, at least the little handicapped fella is able-minded. Unless he's not. It's difficult to tell with the wheelchair ones. I might have to play my Motown guy for you on the show sometime. Okay. He's just some weird guy that's into these really heavy B-sides. That's cool. <laughs> really? And then goes into who's playing on the, which thing. And all really? The like it's a little radio station. That's great. It's really fucking cool. But I always like somebody who just knows one era over all else. Okay. You know, there's not another era that they even seem to care about. Like, oh shit, it's 1970, I don't care. You know, but... That Motown stuff, he's just nuts about. That's great. And that's crazy. I just lost my. What are you doing, King Speech? What happened there? <laughs> I need Helmbaum Carter to come Look at me. Focus on me and say, uh, bring an R into the W. Oh, wow. It went to like the teachings or whatever? Yeah. Oh. I felt like I was fucking back in school or something. <laughs> I think Dave was a stutterer. Growing up. Yes, he was. I think the story was he would get a Cheerio every time. Like a fucking dog. Yeah. <laughs> One single Cheerio. And now he says Cheerio whenever he leaves. He's always like a little British boy. That's good, though. I think. Well, he's back for the... I can't believe that he wants a shorty again after they treated him last year. Doesn't he know this just leads to heartbreak? I wonder if they're actually going to let him in or they'll remember that crazy bastard... <laughs> At the door, there'll be a fucking mugshot of him at the be fucking at the front. Well, I don't blame them for being afraid of him. I want to know who's hosting this year. 
since Rick Sanchez. Why can't Rick get do it again? Okay. I guess he needs a gig. He actually tweeted yesterday that he hopes that the media would move on and just let him get back to living his life. He should have said, I wish the Jew media would leave me alone. <laughs> it's not a good way to get back in the graces. There's no reason. There's no reason that he even needs to. All right, it is time to uh, talk movies a little bit. And if you happen to review movies, this is like one of the best times of the year for you because people like um, a list and you can make up a list and be the center of everyone's attention. It's I got this list I made. And I I can't believe every time I look at a, a list and I'll be like this. That shouldn't be nine. It should be six. Actually, you know, <laughs> like it fucking actually matters. Notch it up a little bit. Come on. I want to feel good about the things I like. No, I would have thought my crack staff would have had the list printed oh, up and in front hey, of me. I should have had it. There, there you, go. you go. Sorry about that, Ron. No, that's okay. I deserve it. I deserve the back of your hand. You don't deserve any part of my hand besides, I don't know, a thumbs up. <laughs> I'm not sure. You don't even know what you said. You know this. I know exactly what I'm saying. You have that list in front of you. You know this. You're fucking disagreeable. That's the only Sometimes. thing you know. And every day with you is like a bad fucking car trip. You know what I mean? I just feel like I'm driving to Miami and I can't stand my friend anymore. Change this music. Jesus. What are you doing? Well, you stink. You're stinking up the whole fucking car. It's a road trip. It's supposed, it's supposed, to, it's supposed to go down. I'll tell you this, and I'm sure of this. There is no friendship close enough to survive a, a road trip. Mm -mm. Uh, oh, no. If you're not having sex with the person you're on the road trip with, you'll kill them. It degenerates. Towards the end, it's just hatred for if, each other. If I was a defense attorney, and I'm really trying to be, and I'm trying to do it without going to school and taking a fucking law exam, I don't want to do that. I just want to be the attorney. But I would constantly be like this. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, they were on a road trip. No matter what happened, um, all right. Uh, we got a nice opening for G Baby. It's all like, yeah, this all should be there. It's all about him because I, I want this to build him up. This is his time of the year. You go, made it for him. Hmm. Adventure, Adventure. Horror. Western, Crime. Crime. comedy, sci-fi, musical, War. pornography, and now the movie reviewer who's better than Paulo, G Baby. G-Baby. G-Baby, there? Happy New Year. Um, all right. I'm going to let you just say this the one time, G-Baby, and then we move on from the Happy New Year. All right. I figure it's the first time I talked to you guys, and we're talking, you know, last year's movies. What, was it a good year for movies, G-Baby? Not particularly. I mean, I, I was able to come up with the top ten, and there's probably 20 movies that I liked that I was in consideration with. But, yeah, overall, everything sort of blended together. You know, they're, they're, the action movies, they were all the same movie. The comedies were all the same comedies. Uh, there wasn't a lot of real original great stuff this year. Uh, now, is, is this mic sound bad? I think he's – are you in speakerphone, G-Baby? Oh, yeah, I'm trying this Google Voice thing because I – It ain't working. Yeah, it, it ain't working. It's terrible. We're going to try you again. I'll try you right back. Thanks, G, baby. Jesus Christ. Google Voice. I don't even know what the hell that is. Google Voice. It saves them a goddamn little, like, five cents or whatever. <laughs> there's, come on. There's no more long-distance long, long distance phone calls anymore. 
That's, that's, that's He's not... still in the old AT&T program. Oh, wow. Got to get out of that contract. Jesus. With, this, with the King's speech, I just let the microphone do the work. Is Helen Baum Carter in a lot? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Totally yeah, I must it. have some sort of a stuttering thing going on. That's why I used a bad mic there. Huh? Were you surprised that Helen Bottom Carter was completely naked throughout the whole movie? Yeah, that was kind of weird, right? I mean, plus it's still got a PG-13 rating, so, yeah. you know, that's crazy. I want to see this now. Yeah, at one point she even leans back on her back and just spreads her vagina she open. She plays her pussy a little bit? <laughs> no, she just spreads it open and goes, oh. like, put your dick in there. It's very weird. It's a very strange film. All right, so do you want to go down your list, or what do you want to do, G-Baby? How do you want to handle it? This is your time of year. Uh, I mean, it's always nice if they haven't seen it yet. The countdown's probably the best, right? All right, let's do it. Do you want to count from the top or from the bottom? From the bottom. Okay, good. Because I noticed in your article you go from the top. Yeah, I figure, you know, in email people are sort of, uh, they just want to get get in there quick. But if we're on the radio and they're sort of sitting in their car, they're stuck with us. All right. Um... Let's uh, let's go from the uh, from the bottom. Your top ten, top ten films of 2010. Uh, number ten, and this is going to come to a shock, especially to Ron and Fez listeners. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. He liked the Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, yeah. At first, you didn't. Yeah, the first. What I sort of think is, you know, I'm a huge sort of video game geek guy. You know, uh, I love comics and all kind of stuff. And when I saw this movie, I had really high expectations. I was a little let down when I first saw it. Plus, I love Edgar Wright, and uh, but it just kept making me want to watch it again and again. I think since it's coming on Blu-ray, I've probably seen it probably five or six times, and that was just, that right there was reason enough for me to make the list. Like, it's still so entertaining. I'm still laughing. I'm still excited for the action scenes and the music scenes and the little subtleties. And every time I watch it, you pick up something new. And uh, I, now, now it's. Uh, <laughs> I like it a lot more than the first time. Hicks, did you see this uh, film? I saw Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I liked it. I don't know why everyone shit on it so much. It was a fucking fun movie. Because uh, it, it, it's about the time to start taking shots at Edgar Wright. You know <laughs> what I mean? For that. no apparent reason. Come on, he's great. Uh, I liked it, too. I liked it very much. Uh, all right, let's move on to number nine. This is a film you just saw last night, Ron, The King's Speech. Um, again, uh, like you had just said a couple minutes ago, Really incredible story that, about uh, that's something you didn't really know about, and I love that. Um, and the performances are ecstatic, and it's really like it, it's almost like a sports movie, but with speech as the sport, where you get excited for a guy to like give his big final speech. And um, yeah, a really, a really uh, sweet little movie. It's going to have a lot of uh, momentum going into the Oscars. See, this is what I never understand about you, G Baby. You always say like you're the film geek. But then you like these smaller films and you like independent films. What okay, are you I'm not, exactly? I'm a film fan. I'm, I mean, I, I guess I, geek is probably part of it right there. And a lot of film, like, you know, critics don't have that in them. But I think I sort of grew up as that. And as you study film, you have to like everything. You can't just, a lot of people on my website, they're like, oh, do you only like, you know, big robot movies? And I'm like, no, those are fun, but I like everything. Yeah, you do like a lot of robot movies, though. I do, and when you get to my 11 list, and that's where it gets a little gross, the robot movies. Um, but, uh, uh, King's Speech moves up, and here's what I think. I think this film really does have a, a chance to win the best picture. I do. I think it's a type of film that Oscar likes. You know, It's British. It's yeah. British. It's classy. It's classy British. 
And even in the terms of those films, it's like really good for one of those films. Oh, wow. Okay. You know so. what I mean? Like it has more tension than those normal boring uh, British uh, films do. And there's a couple of really great shots in it. The shots of like when they're walking through the fog and stuff or really, really. really. Matter of fact, I saw this last night, so I'm not there on opening week or not. Or not. It's like 11 o'clock at night. And when the film was over, the people actually clapped. What? Yeah, like wow. it was a Saturday matinee, and Star Wars had just came out. And I and that's when I always did my line, nobody's here to hear you clapping. This ain't a play. And then we all laugh, and I go, no, seriously, stop fucking clapping. Uh, so King's Speech, and that's a little bit of a shocker, I think, for G-Baby's list. Mm-hmm. Number nine. Uh, eight is what, G-Baby? Eight is another shocker, a movie that not a lot of people uh, heard of or saw. It's called Fair Game. Uh, but, I mean, that's with uh, Naomi Watts and Sean Penn. Uh, it's the true story of a uh, CIA spy who was outed in the press and uh, how the government tried to screw over her husband. I forget the real names. It was, it was out there. Yeah. There you go. Battle Plain. Yeah. Uh, and this was, what, three, four years ago, I guess? Around there, yeah. Five, five years, five ago. years ago, yeah. Six. Uh, I didn't, too. So 30 years ago? Um, I did not see this film. Yeah. The thing was that they sort of, like, put the trailers out and made it look like it was, like, the Bourne Identity with, you know, a bunch of CIA stuff and people screaming and jumping and stuff. But that's a very, very small part of the movie. Really what the movie's about is the White House cover-up and how this affects this family and, uh, and, and and, you know, know, a well-to-do couple sort of fighting against the establishment. And I didn't really know much about it, and uh, so watching this movie as it unfolded, it was just an incredible story. How was Sean Penn in this? He's Sean Penn. I mean, he doesn't really, he's good. He's not, um, you know, dead man walking good, uh-huh. but he's not, you know, um, I mean, he's Sean Penn. He can do whatever he wants, so when he does a movie, no. he's generally pretty good. You know? I've seen the Terrence Malick film, Tree of Life. <laughs> oh, you've seen it already? Yeah. How is it? Oh, it's awful. It's just silly. Oh. It's just... <laughs> Just silliness. No, I haven't seen it. I want. No, I, I really want to though. Uh, I really love the trailer. That trailer might end up being my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> it might win the Oscar just from being a trailer alone. All right. Yeah, so awesome. fair game happening. Number seven for you. Uh, number seven is Quentin Tarantino's favorite movie of the year: Toy Story Three. You and Tarantino are so much alike when it comes to like in Pixar films. Yeah, exactly. It's us and everybody else in the world. Um, and honestly, as much as everybody loves this movie, I really love this movie, but I think I like it a little bit less than everybody else. Um, it, it, we had talked about when I was in the last time, you know, people are crying. It really mixes what the kids love with what adults can latch onto. But for me, it's a, it's a little repetitive in the middle. That's the only reason it didn't go higher on my list, because it is a, a really, really amazing movie, but just a slightly, slightly uh Away from perfect. In the middle, you were going like this: barring, barring, ba 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 barring. <laughs> Enough with the escapes and the, uh, getting captured and the escapes. But yeah, uh, Who, who's captured? Nazis? Uh, other toys. Oh, I hate the other toys. I like our toys. <laughs> yeah, I like Mister Potato Head and and the doll and the spaceman. Spaceman is good. There's like a dog too, right? There's Dogman is good. <laughs> Was it like up? Yeah, by that um, I mean, was it a cartoon? It's a cartoon, yeah, it's a cartoon. Yeah, that's all I see is a cartoon when I go in there. But people love them, good. Uh, number six for you. Number six is the Oscar frontrunner, everybody's favorite movie of the year, The Social Network. 
Um, why do you think everybody is saying this is their favorite movie of the year? And I saw it and I liked it too. But why is it just like across the board seems to be number one for everybody? I think it's just, I think it's really, I mean, it's obviously incredibly well done. Everything about it is the screenplay, the direction, the cinematography performances are all top notch. That goes without saying. I think really it's just, it's a movie about something that's so prevalent. You know, obviously Pepper Hicks hates Facebook, but. I like the movie though. Yeah, like the movie, and it's just, it's just something about, A, it goes back to a true story a lot of people don't know about, or, you know, parts of a true story. Plus, people use Facebook every day. I mean, Facebook just changed the way we live our lives. And to see a movie about something that literally you can walk out of the theater and you probably go on your Facebook, I think that sort of connection is what make, is making people really love it. I have, I'm working on something right now. It's a script. I'm going to let it out. And it's a movie about MySpace, and I'm calling it, I haven't updated this in four years. <laughs> and it should be really, I mean, the thing that should be good about it is, like, sad. You <laughs> that know? guy Tom will be the star. Yeah, and then I'm also going to put, like, a little spaceman and a cowboy in it. Oh, is it animated? Mm-mm. Oh. Claymation. Right, I thought you were working on, like, a two-minute movie on Twitter. Is that, is that true as well? And, uh, I, you know, with the Tweety Awards going as well as they oh, are right sure. now. Uh I hear Sleeves has moved up. And now someone told me that E-Rock is nominated for a food award, and I don't even understand that. But um, I would love to see Lady Trucker win for best political site. Right. I just want to see Eastside Dave storm the stage again. That's all I really want. Yeah, I mean, the thing there is it doesn't do any good if he wins. It's better if he loses again. What a freak out here. This time I want to see him come in on a, on a parachute. <laughs> Fan man this shit. Oh, yeah. I think, doesn't he have too much fucking stuff to win? They're not going to, they don't go. They don't like the raunchy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's very raunchy. He doesn't. Uh... He gets. Oh, he's edgy. Dave's I don't edgy. Think, I don't think you actually, I don't think it's possible to have enough fucking stuff, guy. More the merrier. But, like, we know him, so we know that it's safe. But isn't it weird when one is fucking stuff and then the next is him with his kids? <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's weird. That's weird. Yeah, I know. And you're like. Well, you know, I know you, so I don't worry, but all the cops don't know you. <laughs> all right, I don't know where we were. Uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're, at, uh, we're hitting the, uh, the top five. And uh, uh, again, number five. Excited. Is no- yes. There's another movie a lot of people didn't see, and it bombed at the box office, uh, but it's Rob Reiner's Flipped. Now, why did it bomb? I, I mean, it, it wasn't marketed very well. It doesn't have any really recognizable stars in it. The biggest star in it is probably Aiden Quinn. But, uh, and I guess the reviews weren't as strong as it probably could have been. But it's a really sweet little movie about a boy and a girl in the, I think, the 60s or 50s, who we, the movie shows both the girls and the boys' perspective of their sort of budding relationship and how a girl and a boy view things, the exact same events, completely differently. So that was so Degrassi. Yeah. What a guy. I've never seen the the show, Pep. But uh, Pep, is there any reason why the kids don't bring me water anymore? Is that like part of the funny joke? There's no jokes going on. Tom, can you get Ron some water? Who's Tom? That's one of our new interns. I like the new guys. I'm gonna call him Draft House. (laughs) You mean the kid? Uh, You know, (laughs) when this thing was supposed to come out, I was like, oh man, Rob Reiner would be great for Unmasked. He's, you know, been involved in so much comedy in his life, and I would like to have him. And I don't think he did any. New York Press on this. Yeah, I never even I, heard of this film. And 
I don't even know, actually, to be quite honest, if it even opened there. I remember it bombing so bad in L.A. that somebody said, oh, is not even going to open? No, that's not true. It did open in, like, West Nyack, and it probably opened in New York really small. It's, by the time it got there, they probably didn't put any press behind it because they knew it was over. Mm. But it's a really strong little movie. It's out on DVD right now, so if, it's, uh, you know, if you have Netflix or whatever, throw it on your queue because you're really going to enjoy it. Well, when does it just uh, come on the on-demand? Because that's all I really want to do. I don't like to... I don't like to physically take something and put it into a. I'd rather just hit a button. Uh, yeah, I, I am. It probably will at some point, and they're, they're getting all those movies on there. Okay. All right, so that's your number five, and that's a shocker, right? Yeah, that's a shocker. Now, were your readers actually mad about that? They were more mad about Scott Pilgrim being on the list because there's a bunch. Because in the geek community, a lot of people really hate that movie, Fuck. which is weird. Uh, but they had no problem with me putting Flipped on the list, which goes to show you what happens on the internet. Mm. Um, but, you hate uh, the internet people, right? You hate the geeks. No, I do not hate the geeks. Some of the geeks hate me, but that's okay. Here's the weird thing, though. To me, it used to be geeks, but now they are the mainstream. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. You, you, you can't act like you're the, the weird, strange people off on your own. The hipsters are no. just geeks. They're at yeah. their core, most of them. I mean, they're just fucking nerds. They're Beatlemaniacs <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I think uh, your next Unmask run, uh, Pat Oswald, you wrote an article about that saying that you can't really be a geek anymore with the Internet because everything's mainstream. It literally is, and it's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, but speaking of geeks, number four mm-hmm. um, is a movie I know Fez loved, and it's probably one of the last movies he'll have seen, and that's Kick-Ass. I still believe he's going to movies. Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> isn't that true, Fez? You still going? Um, you know the the weirdness too of Kickass is some I I thought it was okay I liked the little girl wasn't totally crazy about the story but I I found it enjoyable but people are were in a love slash hate with this too right oh for sure I mean I think a lot of it has to do with you know it's a movie starring kids but it's not a movie for kids. Uh, obviously, when you have a little girl dropping the C-bomb and just incredible violence and a lot of, like, 80s punk music set to, you know, montages of blowing people up, um, it's really more so even than Scott Pilgrim, sort of like a love letter to the sort of geek subculture that we were just talking about. Um, if you've read comics, if you've watched the movies, this, mo- this was the movie that was made for you, and I just loved that it took such a, a genius, simple idea of the superhero story of what if a normal kid who just wanted to be a superhero went out and did it, what would happen? Yeah, and of course, it goes over the top of it. He would get killed, <laughs> which is what almost happens in the first three minutes of the movie, like, you know, seven minutes of the movie. And, and that's what's, you know, and then, of course, it goes a little off the walls and does a little superhero. But, yeah, Kick-Ass is just a movie that I saw, and I just, I just love it. It's just so much fun. Uh, let's move into number three. Number three movie we also discussed on the show, and I know you're not a big fan, Ron, but I still I still can't shake it. And it's uh, the kids are all right. Uh, it was a little indie uh, love letter of the year, sort of the little Miss Sunshine of the year, and uh, it just was good for me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it was just it was just a really special, funny movie, drama, comedy, a different take on the modern family, and uh, yeah, it just it just did everything right. For me, I know that we talked about how you didn't love the uh, what lesbians really want, but still, I mean, besides that, great point. I uh, still really enjoyed the movie. I I I thought that the acting uh, 
You know, because it looks like they're going to get the Best Actress Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have any problem with that. You know, I mean, I, whatever. Th- that part of it didn't have much as a problem with the, the writing just falling back into being a traditional family story again instead of having the balls to say not everybody's going to be the kind of family you grew up in. I yeah. don't know. Uh, yeah, I understand. I, mean, I, I, think, still, I, I think, no, I, don't, I, know, you know, I mean, I, I respect it, but I, don't, I, I disagree, but I understand. Why is number three? You understand it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Uh, what's number two? Number two is the last movie I saw this year, and it blew me away, True Grit. Mm. Uh, I, I just, it was, it was perfect. It was perfect. Uh, from the first opening shot through the final haunting image, I just loved everything about this movie. Uh, the Coen brothers, uh, can they do wrong? Well, I guess, you know, with maybe yeah. a couple of their movies they can, but they, they can. But this one, this one they crushed with. Uh, my, did you read my review on my blog? Uh, no, I did it, not. It was true grit, more like Jew shit. <laughs> and then I just loved it at that. But then I ended up giving it an A. Um, <laughs> I will say this, because I know everyone loves this film. Uh, I really enjoyed watching the movie, but at the end of it, I honestly thought to myself, I'd rather the Coen Brothers made a Coen Brothers movie rather than this. It's not a remake. I mean, it it is a remake. Yeah. I mean, they said, like, oh, it's a lot different. Uh, they're running the original True Grit on demand right now. It's surprising how many scenes and dialogue stays exactly the same. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of Cohen sort of influence on there. There's so there's a lot of like subtle humor here and there. Towards the end there's that weird guy who comes out and starts like laughing. There, there's plenty of Cohen brothers in there. But I think what That was in the I first like, movie, the guy that was acting like was, the fucking rooster or whatever? Yeah, I've that was in the first I've movie. Never, I haven't seen it. So uh, I, I that that might be part of the reason I like this one so much is that I I mean I sort of knew the story but I never really experienced it. And that could be why I liked it so much. I've not seen well, it. Well, you may want to uh, study a, a small actor named Dennis Hopper. Yeah. From early in his career. I mean, everyone just says, oh, it was a John Wayne movie. But uh, great people were in that oh, with yeah. John Wayne. Um, although Kim Darby was not missed by me. Or Glenn Campbell, for that matter. Uh, I did like it. I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it. But I really would rather the, the Coen brothers... Make their own stuff. And they don't seem like they're writing, you know, the source material as much as they used to. No. Well, well this one they adapted from the novel. They said they didn't take the movie uh, at all. Yeah, but No Country was also adapted. And, That's you know, true, yeah. I'm getting a little worried here. Yeah. Start to panic. Don't panic. Yeah. Well, I think they're the Coen Brothers. They'll be fine. Yeah. All right. If you guys say so. So, anyway, he says, true grip, more like Jew shit. Yeah. All right. Um... By the way, who do you like better, Kim Darby or Upper Darby? Upper Darby. Yeah, because they got the Tower Theater. All right, <laughs> let's go into uh, number one. Number one, Pepper Hicks already said the same thing. Unbelievable, he shop. stole that from you. That the, really the, pissed the, me the, off. The Banksy documentary, yep. Uh, I guess there's not a lot to say. Uh, everything was taken from you. Uh, uh, now, in your top five, uh, yeah. your bottom five, your worst of films of the year, yeah. I haven't seen any of them, so let's run through. That usually happens. Um, yeah, there's uh, The Good Guy, which stars Alexis Bledel from Gilmore Girls. My friend said, I got a free screen. you want to come? And I said, sure. I really wish I hadn't. It was sort of like a, 
toned down, try to be clever sex in the city, but with 20s, and it was horrendous. It didn't get a very big release. Mm. Uh, the last next one is Valentine's Day, which was that huge romantic comedy that came out on Valentine's Day. Uh, and who, who directed that? Was that uh... Marshall, Gary Marshall. Oh, yeah, Gary Marshall. You'll be happy to know this. He was shooting in Times Square for the sequel, New, New Year's, Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. Oh, Which, no. again, it's coming out. Yeah, it comes out next year or maybe later this year. I don't remember. I saw him on New York One. And he was like this. Well, we're going to have to take all the 2010s to make them 2011s. <laughs> don't worry. It's everything <laughs> that you liked about Valentine's Day, but it's New Year's Eve. That's the kind of thinking that we're doing on this. We're just taking it to a... Who knows? Maybe we'll have Arbor Day, Fourth of <laughs> July, Mother's Day. I'll keep doing it as long as they keep coming out. And then, That's a really good question. And then the person actually said this to him. And how's your sister, Penny Marshall? <laughs> it's just... Uh, wouldn't you hate to be asked constantly I'm about... Pissed. I'm like, yeah. fucking... Just find out yourself. <laughs> Oh, they're not fucking tying their life all the time. That's my brother. That's not me. I'm Penny Marshall. Um, all right, so Valentine's Day you did not like. Did not like. No, one of the five worst movies of the year. Uh, the next worst movie of the year for me uh, was MacGruber, the movie version of the Saturday Night Live skit. It should have stayed the Saturday Night Live skit. Ouch. It tried really hard to be clever and uh, and funny and sort of off the wall, but... It was uncomfortable, but not in the way that O and A can be uncomfortable. In the way that life is just horrendous. It was. It was bad. Why? Why drag O and A into this? They did. They had a fabulous year. No, right. no. I, I, I hope it. I mean, when I think of uncomfortable humor, I mm. think of them, and I think of The Office, and I love that. But this was not that. It tried to be, but it was just it, it went over the line to just total uncomfortable with no humor whatsoever. What's really funny is I remember when this came out, there was. Suddenly, right before it came out, everyone's like, I know you thought this was going to be awful, but it's really kind of great. Those were the original reviews, and I'm like, what? Yeah. And then it came out that weekend, and they went, I don't know what those early reviews were saying. This is awful. Bombed hard. And I was like, thank God I didn't go. <laughs> All right, next. Uh, Dinner for Schmucks, exact same thing. Uh, tried to be really uh, edgy and funny, but was just... Like, just really uncomfortable to watch because the, the jokes are just bombing so bad, but not in a funny way. Uh, just awkward performances by Steve Carell and Paul Rudd and Galifianakis, and you're like, how did this movie even get made? It's just just really, really bad. It is amazing that you could take three funny people like them and come out with it with something that's not funny. Yeah, really bad. Uh, it seems hard to do. To it, take it those guys and have it stink. They're all brilliant. And the, uh, the other movie that made my bottom five was uh, a movie that I saw when I worked for a kid's website, uh, The Rock in Tooth Fairy. Really, that's all you really need to say about that. <laughs> it came out this year? The Rock's retarded. Yeah. The Rock <laughs> yeah. seriously is retarded. Yeah. It, it, but, and also, Julie Andrews is in that. And the one that really hurts is that Stephen Merchant is in that. And you just, you, you look, you've seen Stephen Merchant with your face and just doing funny stuff and it was it was almost painful to see him in the movie. But I mean, yeah. But does he need a paycheck? I he's guess not. He's, he's money. the producer of the Office. Yeah, he's getting office money, so it's got to be more like I don't know for his kid. Does he have kids? I don't fucking know. Well, how could he have kids? Look at him. Oh yeah. I mean, even with all his money, <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to do that. All right, you've also got your top ten 
anticipated films of 2011. Yes. And uh, we'll just go, we'll go top to bottom on this one. Oh, start with the big guns, just, you know. Um, then my favorite, my movie I'm most anticipating this year, and I think is the one that most people are most anticipating this year, and that's the second part, the final film in the Harry Potter saga, Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2. This will be it. This will be the goodbye to Harry Potter? Yes, this is it. This is, this is where it all goes down, the final, final battle, Harry versus Voldemort, all the good stuff, deaths, actions. I'm going to try to watch the first one. Do I need to sure. see the first one before I go to the last? Uh, yeah, it would help, I think. I think it would well, I just want to stand online with a witch hat on. <laughs> we uh, can see that for sure. Uh, what's next? Um, a movie that I know Pepper Hicks uh, badmouthed yesterday, and that's just what happened in uh, <laughs> Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn, which oh, is a new Steven Spielberg movie. Dude, it's Steven Spielberg. He's working with Unicorn's Peter Jackson. Unicorn's in the title. Yeah, but it's... It's Tintin, it's Simon Pegg is in it, and Nick Frost is in it, and Edgar Wright helped co-write it, and Peter Jackson produced it. Just all those people together, I don't care what the title is, it's going to be good, or at least I hope so. Now, what is Tintin, because I have never read this? dog, I think. Is it a dog? No, no, it's like a, oh. I, you know, because I don't really know much about it, I think there is a dog in it, but it's a, it's like a French sort of detective. But it's it's like a, a French comic, thing. right? Yeah, yeah. Sounds stupid. Yeah. All right, let's keep going. Uh, but remember, these are the movies I'm anticipating. These are not going to be the top ten movies of the year by any means. And with that preface, I say my number three is Scream 4. I'm a big fan of the Scream series, and uh, it's been away for a while. So Why are you laughing this at It's a fucked up list. The <laughs> <laughs> first one was good, but the rest of them were shit. Why do you think anything's coming out of the fourth one? You know what? The first one is really good, and I'm a sucker for any movies where there's like movie references, and so I don't hate the second two movies. You like They're epic not movie? Good. You like the player? Yeah, no, except for that. The player, I love. Yeah, not epic movie or vampire <laughs> stuff. I mean, good movies. Funny, yeah. uh, so that was my number three most anticipated. Number four is uh, the new J.J. Abrams film Super Eight that we really don't know anything about. Uh, we've seen a little trailer. There's a train. Yeah, with the train. Uh, I think, think I saw period. this trailer. We play on the air a while ago. We revisit it while I go no, back right no. now. If we already did it, we did it. No, come on. We should do it. We should watch it again. What else you got? Uh, number five is the first big robot movie, Transformers Dark of the Moon, which is the third Transformers movie. That's going to kick ass. <laughs> exactly. The second one was, uh, was beyond terrible. The first one is a lot of fun. And uh, I think they figured out that they knew, made a lot of mistakes the second one. They're going to try to fix them here. So we'll There's see. a robot that can turn into a train. I hope so. Uh, number six is uh, a little bit of a wild card, and it's Moneyball, uh, the adaptation of the Michael Lewis book about Billy Bean uh, of the Oakland A's. Uh, Brad Pitt is in it, um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it. And uh, I love sports movies, and this looks like something or definitely a, a different take on a sports movie. I remember reading this years ago and enjoying the book, but never thinking, hey, this should be a movie. Yeah, it sounds bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to really do it. Like, I don't know it's how... It's not like Yeez went on and won the title. <laughs> We're going to go out statistics fucking filming in this. We're going to show that uh, you don't have to pay as much money as you thought you had to. <laughs> yeah. We're going to show a guy who, who walks a lot and how that helps the baseball team. <laughs> exactly. That's what intrigues me so much about it. Like, that, I, I don't know how they're going to do it. So, And he also turns that. into robots. No. Well, again, we're getting there. Um, number seven is... There's a lot of hot superhero movies coming out this year. 
um, Green Lantern, Thor, but for me, the one I'm most looking forward to is Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, I, I just think that movie has the best chance of making a really cool cinematic experience. He's the most, uh, you know, uh, recognizable character out of the three. He has the easiest to uh, story to adapt, and uh, I, I just hope it's going to be fun. And you actually remind me of him, G-Baby. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Number eight yeah. is uh, the new Scorsese movie, Hugo Cabaret. Uh, again, it's not coming out for about a year, so we have a long way away for this one, but it's uh, his 3D kids movie with uh, the girl from Kick-Ass, with, uh, you know, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is in it, Jude Law is in it, Ray Winstone, Ben Kingsley. And as much as I know, you know, like, people, a lot of people don't like 3D or kids movies, it is Scorsese. He did get this cast together, so I had the utmost faith in it. Mm. I don't know. Kids movie again. Yeah, so I think it's aimed at kids, but I don't know if it's going to be strictly kids. But it's not a cartoon, so there you go, Ron. Um, number nine is the new Cameron Crowe movie that he's just about to start shooting called We Bought the Zoo. And I'm a I'm a huge Cameron Crowe fan. So am I. Pretty much, yeah. It's pretty much like everything, even parts of Elizabeth Town. And uh, this is a movie. Matt Damon is in it. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is in it. And it's about uh, a family who uh, moves to and buys a zoo. I don't even know much of it. It's based on a book. That's I thought out they there. had a morning zoo. I thought they were doing a morning zoo somewhere in Connecticut. It was supposed to be really kick ass. Waka waka. <laughs> I hope that's in there. That would be fun. Yeah. And uh, the, and finally, the tenth movie I'm most anticipated for uh, this year, 2011, is the one I'm getting the most shit over. And it's called Real Steel. Oh, I saw uh, the trailer. Oh right. God! It, yeah, it's Rock'em Sock'em <laughs> Robots, the movie. You're anticipating this fucking movie with that giant purple and yellow robot? It looks like shit. Hell yeah! I, I like I said, I like sports movies. I like robot movies. I like oh. boxing movies. This takes all three of them together. Is it going to be like? Is it going to be shitty? Probably, but I'm just anticipating it. Maybe being really awesome. Now you actually were fairly honest about this because you put in your last years of movies that you were anticipating, and quite a few of them disappointed you. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I do this. I send out this email to pretty much everybody I know. I've been doing it for about ten years uh, with my top ten, my top ten anticipated, and, and every year I look back at that list I just gave. My anticipated, and I go back at the movies I was most anticipating and say how right or wrong I was. And just as an example, on that list were the, a Nightmare on Elm Street was my most anticipated as a big Freddy Krueger fan, and that sucked. Uh, Iron Man 2, which was obviously terrible. I had Alice in Wonderland on there, horrendous. The Kevin Smith movie Cop Out, which is just beyond words bad. But then I did, I did get a couple right. I had Social Network, Toy Story, Inception. Um, so, yeah, I mean... It's a crapshoot. Usually the best movies of the year you haven't heard of just yet. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the rest of this year. All right. We're going to put your list up on 202 Friends because people uh, are asking me about it. And then Fez said that he had a gripe with you. And you probably know what that's about, G-Baby. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, G-Baby, I was wondering why you felt the need to, on your Twitter page... Uh, post a picture of a creepy old person <laughs> and then say, leave the caption, I didn't know Fez was visiting L.A. sports bars. <laughs> oh, that is right. Uh, well, I was drinking a little bit. Oh, it slipped your mind. 
I was drinking a little bit, watching the Giants uh, squander the season away, and this guy with gray hair and a beard was walking around by himself in the sports bar, sitting down next to random people, and I don't know. I was just thinking of you, Fessy. All right, I don't understand why you see a person with gray hair and you just think me. I, 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 it's the why that I'm wondering about. Well, he was by himself. He was a little bit older. He had facial hair. I don't yes, know. there are a lot of there are millions of people like that. It's true. Well, and, and Twitter is, is meant to make jokes, and uh, I didn't realize you know, that was the purpose of it. Yeah, I mean, I can understand saying, oh, okay, I'm drunk off my ass again. I'm G-Baby. And maybe I saw a person with a beard, so I thought of Fez. Why put it out there to the world? We're actually going to retweet that on 202 Friends to see if people agree. <laughs> oh, let's not. Or disagree. It's out of my hands, Fezzy. I'm disagreeing. All right. Well, the picture is really great. dark. I wish I could get a better photo of the guy, but I didn't want to be as creepy as he looked. Whoa, so... Jesus. Just a weird, creepy guy, and you say, "Here, there's Fez." No, he, he kind of looked like Fez. He can't. The picture is really bad. But like I said, yeah, you have no proof that this guy looks like Fez. <laughs> well, we could put Please. your creepy picture up next to it. <laughs> and, and why is this okay? This doesn't happen to anybody else. It doesn't happen to Chris Stanley. You don't see it happening. Why, to... why do you? Why do you want to pull Chris into this? Yeah, come on. You want people to start being mean to him? No, I don't want. I just wonder why people feel there's a free pass to be mean to me. So I was trying to be mean to you. If I saw a bunch of you know hipsters running around with you know ponytails and cigarettes, I would pick a. Oh, what the fuck, G baby? Ah! I sincerely doubt it. I think that one would just go, go one in, inside your mind and then back out again, and you would just I, keep going off on your I, day. I, here's here's how to win an argument, Fez. You don't drag your buddies into it and say, <laughs> "Why don't you start making fun of that?" Now you. In the back of Chris's mind, the fact that he just got teased, he's going to give the credit to you for bringing him yeah, in. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Fez. It's almost like if a cop's come over and start hassling someone, you're like, what about those guys? <laughs> they got open containers. I'm it's, just saying there is a double standard here. Well, good. But what you should do, rather than, than be the Jew who brings in other Jews, you should stand up for yourself. <laughs> Not like, well, what about those Jews, Nazis? No one They're does it to Anthony from the ONA show. What? No one does it to Anthony from the ONA show. Why would they? I mean, he's beloved. All right, let's, um, I'm looking at this, holy shit, Fezzy. Yeah. That's the spitting image to you. Oh, that it's looks nothing like friends. me. It's right there, two out two friends on Twitter. And trust me, I've looked at it over and over again because it like it's haunted me. I do. I think it looks like a woman. Yeah, a little bit. Well, then that's not going to look like me. But you tell the stories of you go to sports bars to try to talk to people, and it's kind of weird. This person looks like they're wearing some sort of raccoon skin cap. No, yeah, that's not. Like his hair stops. That's just a photo. His hair stops in a normal place. That is not his hair. That's like the bar back. Oh, okay. I see. Oh. So, this person was actually coming up and fezzing people, like bothering them while they were trying to enjoy their movie? I, I, I didn't see him actually, like, trying to strike up conversations in the bar, but he was walking around with a drink and just sitting down in different places. I wasn't, like, you know, focusing on him. I was watching the game. But when he sat, when he sat in front of me in my eye line, I had to try to zoom in and take a picture. No, you were obviously focusing on me during your game. 
that you supposedly wanted to watch so bad? How can I not, Fez? You're the best, Fez. And I'm, your bucks are on the TV. Uh, well, come on. Fez, don't you realize, though, when you tell some of these stories about yourself that, that sometimes people are going to re-bring them back up? It's like the lettuce reps. No, no, because I'm just pointing out things. There's no reason to keep revisiting over and over again. There's no reason to tweet a uh, photo like this. All right, what about a news story about Fez? How about this? Last night, uh, I meet him and, and take him into a meeting where he might meet people that are going through the same thing as him. Okay. Um, he doesn't want to introduce himself. Oh. Refuses to do the... Hi, my name is Fez. Not only that, grabs his chest, keeps rubbing it, then puts a nitro pill under his tongue until I pick him up by his armpits and take him outside for fresh air. So you left early, or did you go? Oh in? yeah, oh. we left way early. How long do those meetings last usually? Is there a... normally an hour? Okay. What are you thinking about? No, I, just, I was just wondering how long one of those could actually last. I thought mm. I thought I figured hours. No. Okay. Oh, that sucks. Left early, huh? Yeah, didn't make oh. it. Oh. I got a little overwhelmed. If G-Baby had been there, there would have been a photo of me up. Well, so you admit that looks like you. No, I yep. admit that G-Baby's obsessed with me and not in a good way. <laughs> no, that's not true, Fez. Uh, I just, you know, you popped into my head. I saw a guy. Didn't mean to upset you. I, just, I thought it might, but I just had to go for it anyway. Why? Why, why wouldn't it upset me? Are you really upset, or are you just pretending you're upset? No, I'm upset because there's no reason why this should have to happen to me. It do, they don't. I know. Point no out one, other people. No, it no doesn't happen to other Anthony. people. No one picks on Anthony. Can I tell you why? You know, one picks on Anthony. He'd fucking destroy somebody if they picked on him. He fucking covers the waterfront. You're like, why doesn't anyone bully the tough kid? Hey, you punched me in the stomach, but I notice you're not punching Arnold Schwarzenegger in the stomach. So deal with that. Yeah. Again, I will tell you what I told my neighbor when they said about the kids. Why don't you pick on someone on your own side? Well, because I don't want someone on my own side because I don't want to get beat up. I want to win. I'd rather pick up a, a pick on a smaller, scrawny kid and dominate him. And then the next day, do the same. Why can't you get this logic? Makes sense here. What do you think? I want to be in a fight that I might lose? What am I, fucking retarded? I didn't say I was the best fighter in the world. I'll jump a fight. I'll jump a fence to get out and get my ass kicked. But if I'm going to kick ass, I'm going to stay. Enjoy it. Go for the sure bet. Bob, move. Punish the fucker. <laughs> Call him names. Make him eat spit. Um, so, Fezzy... Mm -hmm. Apologize right now to G Baby and we'll move on. No, I'm not apologizing to Jermaine Lassier. Well, we're, here's the thing. He came in today with all this material. Why can't you just say thank you for having stuff for the show? Well, I mean, that's nice, but why do this to me? Why do this to a person? But we wouldn't have even have known about it. And what are you doing following his Twitter? Oh. Because, you know, I used to just check his opinions. I used to be interested in it. Now I see that it's all about hurting people. <laughs> what? 
That's well. That's all he's about, and scoring points with Ron. I think is what he's doing. Oh, getting some of those Ron points, huh? Yeah. Why? I didn't even see it until you brought it up. See, I th- he's trying. To, it's like, oh, let me let me put up a picture of someone who doesn't look anything like Fez. Well, why would that score points with me? Do you see me as the enemy? No, they're trying to. They think if they bash me, they can get in good with you. Why? That's, that's exactly the what they think. Who's the guy who drug you out of a meeting last night? When your heels were going. That's well, just by your heels. That, we'll make it, Fuzzy. <laughs> Let me get you to the beachfront. That's what I want to tell G Baby. Your plan's backfiring. It, it, it is. I didn't mean to. Uh, I didn't think I was going to get the wrath of Fez, but here it is, and uh, but, I'll take my beating as I deserve it. But I will say this, Fez. That blonde woman is the spitting image of you. <laughs> that doesn't look anything like me. My hair doesn't even look like that. I don't even see the beard on this person. So that's all you see yourself as a beard? No, I see. I'm looking at a person that I would never, I wouldn't stop in this bar and say, oh, is that a mirror? No, it's another person. I'm surprised that you think that if somebody came in here, called you a cock, it would score points with me. No, that's what they, they think they're. Uh, I'll be like this. I really like that guy who ran down Fez a little bit. Yeah, it's not going to work, but that's the way people's minds think. Why don't think. you say anything about Chris Stanley? Why don't you talk Anthony? Why don't you take Opie's shoes and throw them over the power lines? Yes, I Remember don't... when you tie kids' yeah. shoes together? <laughs> chuck them up there? They say that forever. I go into bars by myself from time to time. <laughs> what is so horrible about that? Why can't, Your life? Why can't I have somebody in my life? Why can't I go look for That's somebody? That's why we're laughing. You don't. After five decades of crawling around the fucking planet like a cockroach, you still haven't found a breadcrumb for yourself. No, not yet. Well, what are you gonna? You're racing death right now. Well, I'd like to do something before that race ends. Well, and when you do, I'm sure G Baby will put two hideous people up and look and go look. <laughs> Fez found the fiance. Uh, Jim, you're in of Fez. Hey, Ronnie, that bearded lady's way too young to be Fez. Oh, jeez. It's insane what G Baby. And how drunk were you to think this would even be funny? Uh, I don't know, a couple beers in. It wasn't terrible. And it's, it's a dark room, and that's a zoomed-in photo. So, to my credit, if I had, like, a really nice picture, you would have seen a little bit more of a resemblance. I'm not giving you any credit on this. Give him a little credit for it. I'm not giving him any credit. No bit. credit deserved. But look at all the show fodder I gave you guys. Oh! See, look, he's trying to score points. He thinks he's going to be Ron's best friend. It's not going to happen. But he did what I couldn't do today, pull Fez into the conversation. Maybe what I need is every once in a while, gee, baby, just put that pitchfork in your ass. I'd rather not take that role. Oh. (laughs) All right, gee, baby. Well, congratulations on your big list. And this is up in Slash Film? Yeah, you can read my stuff at SlashFilm.com, and uh, in two weeks I will be at the Sundance Film Festival over the entire event. I'll try to give you guys a couple calls, uh, but you can follow all the coverage there at uh, SlashFilm.com. That sounds like uh, uh, a lot of fun, the hang out at Sundance. Yeah, I'm excited about it. All right, buddy, we'll talk to you soon. I'll see you guys later. Peace. Bye, G-Baby.
Hmm. That picture looks a lot like Fez. All right, people are putting up the uh, My Name is Peggy commercial. I've had other people sent that to me as looking like Fez. It does look like a younger Fez. That's the Discover card. My name is Peggy. Now I've seen that. I don't think that looks like me either. <laughs> yeah, it's Fez. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how you run into so many people that look like Fez or look like Dave. Oh, God. I, remember that guy that we came in that was doing so many commercials mm-hmm. and he looked like Dave and we yeah. had him surprise Dave on the air? That guy's getting a lot of movie roles now. Oh, my God. I mean, the way Dave used to be pissed off, I am pissed off. Like, I'm going like, <laughs> what the all right, fuck? Dave has the point because he's every bit as good as this fucking guy. Oh, hell, yeah. He was like, I think he had Dorito commercials was when he brought him in. Just All cable commercials. All right. Uh, we're going to break here. Um... Is there anything you wanted to do now? We got you, Fuzz, when we get back? Uh, yeah, there was a, I wanted to talk about um, Kurt Warner, who's got some things to say about Brett Favre. Okay. Right back is the Ron and Fez Show. You're listening to the Ron and Fez Show on the virus. Period 197, XM202. But check it out. He's going to get a huge settlement out of this, like seven figures. He's getting out of the hospital tomorrow, and he's going to throw a big party this weekend and celebrate. We're all invited. I'm thinking I might take that new chick from logistics. Things go well, I might be showing her my O face. O, O, O. You know what I'm talking about. O. It's around a face show. Chris Stanley loves the O face joke. It's great. I'm going to show my O face. Yeah. Like I'm coming. Gotcha. Just. Oh, uh, yeah. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, here's Mark. Mark, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, it's Fezzy there. Yeah, he's yeah, right, right here. I'll get him. Hey, I think he's just coming out of the bathroom. Fez, <laughs> phone call. Got it. Well, we never know. Hey, Fez, we could be in a crime, baby, and have a sense of humor, you pussy. Uh, you know who says have a sense of humor about these things? Fez, you have the phone yet? Yes, I I have it. Who is it anyway? They wouldn't tell me. It's it's just a guy from school. Mm. Well, hurry up! I'm waiting for your mom to call. So uh, really, your mom. The people that say say have a sense of humor about this are the ones that this doesn't happen to. That's where it comes from. You we feel like a victim both. right now? Yeah, I feel a little bit like a victim, yes. That it's just oh that it's just okay for G Baby to do this. Mm. You know, that it's like, all right, let's see. I brush my teeth, I comb my hair, oh I found something uh that I could try to make Fez feel bad about. You know, like it's just part of a what? routine. Why would you feel bad about it? We know it's not you. No, I you know, I feel bad that it's just so acceptable. That someone doesn't even think twice. Sounds like somebody needs to sit down and watch those It Gets Better videos again. I don't know if it does. Very little gets better anyway. By the way, I just talked to our buddy Liam. He might have a very cool blues singer for us. (laughs) Very cool. Southern rock singer with a blues album out. If that happens... Do me what? Do you remember the dates on it? Uh, no, I I, uh, I just I just got the name. I didn't get the dates. Mm. I don't think the dates is all that soon. 
So I said, I'm going to announce it on the air. He goes, no, it's only about 80% done. <laughs> I go, look, Roseanne Barr's only 80% done, and we fucking just did her. It's already done. That still only came in about 80. I still can't understand why that, why some stuff happened there. And we're having a meeting after today. Okay. And I'm going to name this meeting. What? The last meeting. Oh, God. Why is the, the meeting last across meeting? the river? Oh. It's going to be the kind of meetings that they had in fucking Goodfellas, oh. where the plastic is on the fucking floor. Oh. Does your daddy know about me? Accept me as I am. Um. Hey, Ray. You're on the hey, road, what's up, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, Fez. You know, Fez, people, like, you know, make fun of you and stuff because you leave yourself open with the, the victim mentality that you have and the, that role that you play in life, you know? You do kind of embrace the victim thing, Fez. I don't think so. I think I, I blame everything on me. I don't blame it on other people. But let's say this thing that you felt like GB made a shot at you, right? Uh-huh. Why don't you find a way that, oh, he wants to play the pranking game. I'll play the pranking game with him. And make it all in fun. Well, then I would have to scour bars looking for a Jermaine Lassier look-alike. Well, I'm going to teach you something about creativity. You don't have to just do the same thing the other person does. That's copying. What you could do is start something new that would be a prank on him. Instead of... And I see that in real life that your feelings are a little upset about it. Mm -hmm. But you saw, you heard his voice. He was just doing it from a, a joking way. Yeah, see, and and thinking that that's okay, that that's all right, just not even a second You've thought to it. said that, but the point is this. He was just joking. He was teasing. How about me? My feelings are a little hurt that you thought people would tease you only to make me happy. Yeah. They think that'll work, and it won't. Well, no. Now it's starting to after that last shot. Like, if people do send me pictures and say, doesn't this remind you of Fez? I do laugh. <laughs> One person actually sent me a, a, it looked like a mule's asshole. Oh. And they said, and there was a, a slight turd there. And it said, look, Fez is eating his lunch. Oh, God. Now, who would send that? That one came from your mom. All right. Now, that hurts as well. Why? That she would be in on it, too. Mm. Well, let's get off of you a little bit. You got some stuff, other news, and you wrote some jokes down about it? Yeah. Um, it wasn't really your mom who sent that. Oh, okay. I wouldn't put I it made, past no, her. No, she didn't. I made that up completely. So, Kurt... It was your sister. Oh, that figures. Uh, Kurt Warner is talking uh, out about Brett Favre. He's talking out about him? Yeah, saying that um, he has tarnished his legacy with the past couple of seasons and everything in and out of the news about him. Yeah, I, was very I wasn't surprised the way that he went out physically, but to have him with these sexual lawsuits is not the way. Uh, I never would have bet on that one. Now, did I think he was going to be carried off the field the last time? Yeah. Because you just don't go on like that. You know, it's just like when you started seeing Ali get knocked out. Yeah, he was um, just taking too many beatings. Yeah, it was just he stayed in the game too long. And that doesn't tarnish the legacy for me. You know, that's just a human thing. But I was surprised. 
to see him just get caught up in these stupid fucking things, which, for one, I don't even give a shit about. But two, I can, I can understand it fucks with people. Oh, hell yeah. Now there's more text messages coming out. It's ridiculous. And I saw a thing on ESPN where they asked if you view him differently than his Pro Bowl career. And only 17% said they still view him the way they did a few years Holy ago. Holy shit. Yeah, no, oh, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Um, believe in all those polls. They're not scientific polls. But I think if you said to most people now, Brett Favre, they wouldn't bring up the Super Bowl or most games played. It would be these stupid broads that are fucking starting trouble. What are they doing? Cockpicks. Oh. They're cockpicking. Just wait a cockpicking moment. With Kurt Warner, his legacy to me is his wife sitting in the stands in St. Louis looking like Gozer from the Ghostbusters movie. If they did word association, I and someone said Kurt Warner, I would say, "Oh, wife who uh, sewed a feather boa to her blouse." What? So his crazy wife is his legacy. I don't even know if he. Oddly enough, him winning the Super Bowl, his legacy is almost gone. Like he had a a couple of those greatest years on turfs, but he's not going to be uh, all pro, right? I mean, uh, Hall of Fame, right? I don't know. He went to two Super Bowls, so I don't. Won one, lost one. I don't know if that's enough to get you in. I don't think so. Really, when the Super Bowl's not enough alone, Jim Plunkett won two, and he's not in there. Fuck. Jim Plunkett has two Super Bowl rings, quarterback, both years uh, that the Raiders won in the '80s, and not in it. And I don't wow. even think Jim Plunkett say. And he has a Heisman Trophy. <laughs> Shit, why is, that's fucking ridiculous. And is, but, uh, other than that, he just did, it was inconsistent Mediocre. on the other years. Um, oh, I screwed that up. I think Kurt Warner went to three Super Bowls. One with St. Louis against Tennessee, lost to the Patriots, and then went again with Arizona. So what two was, losses and one win. The last year, two years ago? Um, two years ago. Yeah, lost against Pittsburgh two years ago. that he was still playing that long because he sat on the bench for a while. Mm-hmm. He might be a fucking Hall of Famer. He won 2000. Uh, Frank, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Fezzy. Yes. Hey, I'm just wondering, Um, you did that, that Silence of the Lamb, took you nothing dance on the internet, and that didn't bother you. Why are you letting this, this picture bother you? Well, that was my choice to do that. Well, not exactly a choice. I lost a bet. So that was me paying off a bet. It's a totally different situation. Okay, well, I just retweeted it back up at the top of the page in case you're interested. I'd rather no one did that. Kelly, you're on Ronnie Fez. Yeah, Ronnie. How you doing today? Good. Oh, Fez, he, he, he's one of these guys. He can dish it out, but he sure can't take it. He just sat there and started crying about... Uh, Everybody making fun of him. Then he turns around, and the first thing he does is start making fun of Kurt Warner's wife. That was actually her. Again, different situation. Well, why is it okay for your, you to make fun of other people, but it's not for other people to poke fun at you and good fun? I'm, I didn't do anything to Jermaine Lassier. I'm answering Kurt Warner's comments back. Kurt Warner began this. Not me. It's a completely different situation. So he said it to you, Kurt Warner? No, he put it out there for everyone to see. I'm part of everyone. All right, so Kurt Warner said the statement uh, 
that Brett Favre has tarnished his legacy, which is a majority statement now. Whether you agree with it or I agree with it, it's probably probably the majority statement of the country. You respond to that by attacking Kurt Warner's wife, and then you say you're being fair. And I'm not saying you have to be fair. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about Kurt Warner's wife. But you can't say, oh, no, I'm being on the up and up because you don't want to attack a guy's wife <laughs> for something that he made, which is the majority sports writer type thing. Mm-hmm. I think if you grabbed any sports writer and said, has, has he hurt his legacy? He has with the American public. Now, it doesn't matter to a guy like myself. I don't give a fuck. Uh, and I do think that that thing will then come back, like Ali's legacy came back and on and on and on. But as of right now, no, he's not leaving the same way that other quarterbacks have left, you know. he's He kind of uh, left out the back door this year. Oh, yeah. Um, here's Derek. Derek, you're on Fez. Ron, how can you say that Kurt Warner is not a Hall of Fame quarterback? Well, first of all, he's not in yet. Yeah, I know, but he won the Super Bowl with the Rams back when the Ra- he was a bad boy, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, but that's one. Trent Dilfer won a fucking Super Bowl, and I don't think we're going to put him in. I mean, if you look over Kurt Warner's stuff, yeah, I will agree. He's up for Hall of Fame, but every quarterback can't go into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you don't put every fucking guard in. The fucking Hall of Fame. Well, he's got two Super Bowl rings. It's always the fucking quarterback. I mean, we have got a fucking Hall of Fame that's just loaded with quarterbacks. Hell yeah. They throw the ball, baby. There's more quarterbacks than any other fucking position (laughs) in the Hall of Fame. Which means it should now get tougher to get in. Okay. That winning one Super Bowl shouldn't be enough. Uh, Don't get me wrong. There was a... Small window there, Kurt Warner was the man. But overall, I mean, he didn't even exactly play in the NFL. He was over in Europe at first. So well, let's take a look at his lifetime fucking stats. He's an Amsterdam Admiral. What, should we put every fucking Amsterdam fucking Admiral quarterback in? I see some people would love to give me a rebuttal, but we could all, the rest of us could uh, let it flow by. What else you got there, BC? The big cats on the prowl. No stopping. Marvin Lewis coming back as the Bengals quarterback. What? He's the Marvin Lewis is never going to be able to quarterback the Bengals. Oh. First of all, they got Carson Palmer, and just because you're the coach, and I do enjoy Fez Watley's football news corner. After not hearing him, what's on your mind? And it's just, Hell yeah. when did you become the sports guy? Well, I meant coach. That was a big mistake on my part. Yeah, but what's with all the football stories? Well, it's that time of year. And I'll be making my picks here for the weekend in a second. That's right. Make your bets. Who are you betting? Marvin Lewis to fucking go to the Pro Bowl as the quarterback next year? No, he's coming back as the Bengals coach. 4-12 season. And the the Bengals, uh, the owners there in Cincinnati, kowtowing to his demands... For this 4-12 and 12 coach to come back. What were his demands? Um, I believe he wants a bonus after his 10th loss. That was one of his demands each season. Oh, you're doing a joke thing about him? 
Uh, yeah. Oh, I thought he had demands. He's not required to coach in the uh, postseason. Um, also, I believe he uh, his team must drop two to the Steelers every season. So his demands are being met to get an extension in Cincinnati. Oddly enough, he wants the nickname Lovey. Because he's black? Which makes no sense. I don't know why. I think maybe because Chicago's doing better than the Bengals this year. So you wouldn't have really brought Marvin Lewis back? I know me and you had that discussion before. No, I thought I thought out of all the coaches that were going, I thought Marvin Lewis would have been a definite that he was being fired. I just don't think that you make that move unless you know it's going to be for a positive reason. And last year, they were on top of the world. They're like, all right, we're one step away. Something went wrong this year. Oh God, but yeah. I don't know if it's Marvin fucking Lewis completely. But I just don't think you fire people... Just to fire him. I think that that's a fucking mistake. Well, I, you go the other way with it. I thought he was going to be out because winning the division last year, going making it to the playoffs, and then it was such a turnaround, and he got T.O., and he got Ocho Cinco, and went 4-12. and 12. Yeah, I know, but what are all the reasons? I mean, you just, if you're going to help a fucking team with a firing and a rehire, then I would do it. But I wouldn't just fire the guy because his season didn't work out the way that you thought it should. I mean, there was plenty of years Bill Cowher uh, would go into the playoffs next year, not be in the playoffs, but they stayed with the guy. I don't know if you can really build that long-term team by just knee-jerking. You're thinking if a guy doesn't perform, just fire him. Well, I think... Um... Because this might give me a new idea. I think you have to look at everything. And he had Carson Palmer healthy all year, too. I just figured he was one of the ones that was definitely going out. And then they actually ended up extending him. Again, do you have something better to go with? If not, you stay with the guy. And there's not a lot of teams trading up right now. If you look at people who fired people, they're just putting assistant coaches up. Yeah. Doesn't have that, oh, man, he's going to turn that franchise around. Look at Washington. They just got a coach that's got a couple of Super Bowl rings. He's had how many wins? Five, six? Like how many wins in Washington? A it's a fucking really difficult thing to pull it off. And Rex uh, Grossman was your starting quarterback for this game. I got bad news for Eastside Dave. Uh, you're not going to see a new Giants coach, it looks Hell like. no. no. And everybody swore that was going to happen. But they didn't feel like they could uh, trade up. Um, Scott, you're on the Run of Fez show. How you doing, boys? Hey, Ronnie, I'm getting ready to run through Chester, PA. You need anything fixed up? Um, I do want you to talk to a fucking guy for me named Downtown Flats. Not a problem. You can take care of it. Hey, uh, I must probably have a different name. I thought I better not. <laughs> I like the way he reworked uh, reworked uh, Dave's character. It's love. I love to hear Gay Garrison. It's fantastic. See you, boys. Gay Garrison. It was odd that you just decided to do a sports corner today at the end of the show. Um, here's uh, Greg. Greg, you're on a fez. Yeah, Ron. Uh, Fez, based on your thinking of a coach who went 4-12 this year, if we look at your performance 
Out of the last 12 shows, you may have only showed up for four, so does that mean we got to let you go? I'm not talking because about me. I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. But you're talking about somebody. You're putting a man's personal life. You're saying to let him go just because he's having a bad performance. Well, Fez, we, we love you, and I'm not putting you down whatsoever, but I'm just saying sometimes you got to give a little compassion there, Fez. You're well, all over everybody else, but you want us to give you compassion, which we do. Love. Fez, we love you. This all started because Kurt Warner posted a picture of a, a weird guy in a bar, and Fez then attacked Kurt's wife. That was G-Baby that posted that picture. G-Baby played for the Rams? Wow, I didn't think he had the size for it. Um, Paul, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Fez, I guess, I guess I'm going to have to hurt your feelings because you've got it all age. wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Carson Palmer had the worst uh, year of his whole career. His touchdown quarterback rating is about 45%. Worse than he was out for a season with injuries? Yes. And finally, Fez, you know, you're right. They had Ocho Cinco and everybody else. But they really screwed the pooch. They were four and twelve. I mean, if if you with with you what you have on a daily basis, do we can fire you? Like you want to fire? This guy fucks with Fez every day. Oh yeah, he's a and makes no sense at all. My point was Carson Palmer was healthy all season. The quarterback was no there. One, no one's ever said Carson quarterback was this fucking great quarterback no. yet. I mean that. That's still, I don't know anybody who's like, oh, I can't wait to draft him. I am on my fantasy team as backup. Um, here's John, you're on Ronnie, come on, don't do this to us. We almost made it through the entire show without the lockup. I'm feeling good for Fez today. Fez, is, fight back with him. You really did have about a good hour and a half there today, Fez. You were steamrolling. Uh, the new thing is you're going to be sports roundup guy? Well, I, I, I didn't know about that. I just thought, you know, with the playoffs coming up, that it was um, in the news. You're right. Tomorrow Saturday. So you want to do your sports picks? Oh, yeah. Yep, for Saturdays and Sundays games. And then you're going to do Come On Man and Jacked Up. Hell, yeah. I love those segments. Uh, the first game on Saturday, it is the Colts hosting the Jets. Colts at home, favored by two and a half. I say take the Colts in this one. Mr. Jets, they were your team. I know, but there is, when Rex Ryan started talking about how he can't beat Peyton Manning, I think he was, when he was saying, I want to finally beat Peyton Manning, I think he was saying, I can't beat Peyton Manning. I think it's going to be the yeah, Colts at home. It's not like a lot of people have. Yeah. He's not the only guy with a fucking losing record <laughs> against Peyton Manning. Um... All right, Colts at home giving up only two and a half. Only two and a half in this yeah, one. Yeah, I don't blame you there because that's not – if you're taking the fucking Jets, uh, not getting a lot. Mark Sanchez. But you're only uh, – you just don't fucking believe in the Jets after this year. No, I don't think I, – I just don't think you it's going to happen. You took them as your home team. Right, yeah, but I'm trying to I'm trying to steer people in a betting direction here. Right. I I don't want to just put a motion out there in it mm -hmm. and co start costing people money because these are locks. I will say this: I don't think you have any emotion when it comes to the Jets. I think there's zero emotion when it comes to your Jets fandom because it was based all one fucking year 
of Hard Knocks. And then who do you want to see Hard Knocks next year, Fess? I would really, I would I actually like to see the Bengals uh, and Hard Knocks next year. Do Just, it every other year? Oh, they've done it already? They were last year. The year oh. before the Jets. Oh, uh, the Raiders would be interesting with a new coach. Again? No, I'm like, <laughs> The Jets season was the only one I had I watched. I think the Cowboys started, right? Yeah. And I always thought that was going to be a Cowboys show. I kind of thought it was fucking cruel when they took it away. Instead of giving it to other places. All right. So you got the Colts and Peyton Manning, even though uh, they don't look like the regular Colts this year. I mean, if there's any year they would get knocked off early, seems like this year. You don't believe, though. No, I think they're going to survive round one here. All right. Uh, The Saturday night game, that is the Saints traveling to Seattle to take on the undeserving Seahawks. Saints favored by ten and a half on the road in a playoff game. Wow. I am going to take the New Orleans Saints to cover the ten and a half over Seattle. So give me a final score there. That uh, that score is going to be 27-10. It's just rough with the 12th man. You know, the old saying was always dog at home. Mm-hmm. And this is ten and a half fucking points. Yeah, that's bad news. That's fucking nuts. Oh. That way, just think of this. Seattle, if you take them, no. let's say they run back the opening kickoff. <laughs> Suddenly you're up by seventeen and a half points. <laughs> you know, one fluke fucking play. All right, so uh, you're betting against Seattle. Uh, you're going with the Saints. Going with New Orleans on the road, giving up big, big points, ten and a half. On Sunday's games, the first game, Ravens, they're on the road as a wild card, taking on the Chiefs. Ravens favored by three mm. at the at uh, at the Chiefs Stadium. I'm going to take the road favorite again. I'm going to say Ravens cover the three and beat the Chiefs, knock them out of the playoffs. Let me guess this. You haven't seen one Chiefs game this year, have you? I've never seen a Chiefs (laughs) game ever in my life, Ron. I have the feeling, for some reason, that is not a team that gets a lot of play on the East Coast. (laughs) If they're not playing the Jets, they don't get any East Coast fucking play at all. They did get a hard knocks, though. You love them. Oh, they're great. Why don't you put on a big fucking Chiefs thing? Uh, what else we got? And then the last game of the weekend, it's the Eagles at home, the NFC East champions, hosting the Green Bay Packers. Eagles favored by two and a half. I say the Eagles cover this. I think Michael Vick will get on fire. Who knows about Aaron Rodgers, how good his head is after the concussion. I like the Eagles giving up two and a half at home. I would have thought that the that the Packers, I had them at one point as what I thought not that long ago either, the best team in the NFC. But I was very surprised how bad they looked against Chicago. Yeah, that was, that was when a Chicago weird game. wasn't even playing all out. Exactly, it looked like shit. And they were at home, so uh, and going into Philly, not the easiest play. But none of these games seem like they're locks. You think you're going four zero? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to be four zero in this one. Now, did you give up watching football, or did you just give up watching movies? Just going to movies. I have a feeling you've seen a movie since you said you didn't. I think the last movie I saw, I, I don't remember which one came out last. I think the last thing I saw was Machete. King's Speech would be perfect for you. 
I'd like to see that, but I'm boycotting movies because of the lack of the Riddler in the next uh, Dark Knight film. Mm. Uh, Josh, you're running Fez. Oh, sorry, Fez, but the Jets play at 8 and uh, Saints play at 4. Womp, womp, womp. All right, so I'm keeping my picks the same, even though I had the time screwed up. Um, here's uh, Dave. Dave, you're on my Fez. Hey, Fezzy, you get a new shower curtain yet? Cartoons on it? Nope, I still have my Buccaneer bathroom in its full regalia. Ten and six team that should have been in the playoffs. Uh, and a ten-year-old fucking shower curtain. Oh, <laughs> well, Fez Wentley, thanks for your sports wrap-up. You got a big sports out cue? Uh, no, I don't. Well, that's Fez Wentley, and those are my picks. <laughs> All right, uh, we're actually going to be uh, picking the big picture prize, but I don't think we got the time today because we really need to go over it on the air. Yeah, we so, only have a few minutes left. In yeah, show we'll, we'll do that tomorrow. So if you're one of the people that's up for Inglorious Bastards, signed by the Jew Bastard, Eli Roth. Eli Roth. Probably everybody's favorite character in that. Oh, huge. It was great when he... <laughs> the Jew Bear. What did I call him? Jew Bastard. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. But he was a bastard. Mm-hmm. They were the Inglorious Bastards. Right. Misspelled Bastards. I'm glad to see the guy who won uh, Pet Sounds. I know. I like him. And here's what I like that he did. He's got his pet in it. (laughs) Like his pet's all happy to get Pet Sounds. Like it's going to be good for the whole family. (laughs) There you go, Doc fan. And I need somebody to find out some Page 5 gossip. Because I believe that... uh, Mark Zito has joined the Air Force. And I haven't heard, I just saw his haircut. And it's definitely a fucking military haircut. It's a buzz cut. It's either military or my girlfriend dumped me haircut. And since, as far as I can tell, he doesn't date. Fez, look at that speaker up above your head. There's a bottle of water up there. Just fucking looming. What the fuck? Oh, I'm sure. I'm, maybe it's another G-Baby prank where if I trip over a wire, wire, that bottle comes down on my head. I know you like to repeat the same things over and over, but he lives in L.A. He's been here in a while. And he's not out to hurt you. He likes you. He saw somebody that was attempting to talk to strangers in a sports bar. It reminded him of you. He put up the picture. And that's so horrible that it has to be mocked. Uh, Hicks, we got anything on the TV screen tonight that we can take a look at? On Wednesdays? I'm not, I don't, I don't watch Wednesdays. See, we're in Wednesdays. the point right now where it's all new TV shows. Oh, yeah, it's the, mid, the, the new mid-season replacement. And it's a new Jack season, and I need a fucking new Jack schedule. <laughs> I got to find out what's happening out there. <laughs> I got to be able to make this whole goddamn thing happen. I need some kind of a kung fu show or some... Some kind of like, oh, they're taking the kids and maybe taking them to another planet. Conspiracy, the government's involved show. All right. About the event, is that is that back No, yet? but they're shooting. Okay, good. I All saw right. the thing online. 
They are shooting. Save the event. Save the event. That's all I'm worried about, bringing that show back. Constantly in jeopardy. Um, I know uh, they're bringing back Boardwalk Empire, but that's already gone. I feel like I haven't watched a new show in like seven weeks. Because like, they did like the end of the Christmas season was like December 3rd. Oh, yeah. They're just like, well, all right, we're breaking for Christmas. And I hate when they show their Christmas stories too early. Oh, yeah, they always fucking bang them out way early. I'll tell you something else. I can't stand to see a Christmas movie even unless it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. And the day after Christmas ain't Christmas to me. Oh, hell no. It's like, over. Done. The day before Christmas? All right, it's Christmas. Even like midday on Christmas. It's, yeah, it's, I guess, yeah. It's like down. The, once the, the packages are fucking opened in. <laughs> What are they called? Packages? Presents. Presents? That's it. <laughs> Kids, Santa's brought you packages. Oh. Lock it up, body baggage. Uh, Brian, you're on Run a Fez. Hey, Ronnie, what's going on? I got it. just want to remind you, uh, you want something to watch on TV tomorrow, the new season of the Jersey Shore starts. They're going back to Jersey, bitch. Back to Jersey and a new friend, right? A new skank. Um, why are you going to call her skank? She shows her, her pussy the situation like within a half hour getting right, there. Somebody just sent me this message, so I'm going to go in and I'm going to check it with my own eyes. Oh. But I got an email of something. Okay. Somebody lining up on, I guess now, Team G, baby. Uh-oh. All right, now remember, Fez, where I said, oh, um, you should go at Thanksgiving and be out with those guys and they're going to take care of you? And it was like Don. Um, oh, Don Stugatz. And uh, Ron Red Dog. And I go, I don't know Ron Red Dog, but I know Don Stugatz. I can fucking vouch for him. Ron Red Dog has just said, new poll. Should Fez remain on the Ron and Fez show based on the past performance of the last six months? Your vote, please. Yeah, your nay. See, I'm glad I didn't show up Thanksgiving. It would have been just a big setup. What do you vote? I vote yay. I stay. I'm going to put my vote in. Like on a ballot? Yeah. All right, cool. What are you writing? It's private. That's a private vote that anybody can make. That's one thing in life we can do. We have a secret vote. You could tell me. I could tell you, but I don't have to. No, That's you don't. That's my right. Uh, Mike, you're on the Run Fest show. Mike? Hey, how you doing, guys? None of your business. All right. Hey, listen, guys. Uh, during the holiday, I had some time off and caught a show called Burn Notice. Wonder if you guys checked it out. Never heard of pretty it. Pretty good show. Never heard of it? No. It's a uh, pretty good show. Sort of MacGyver meets Jim Rockford. So, well-written, well-acted, good My show. My favorite show that I'll be waiting for was the guest today... On our a show, Louis C.K. New season Louis. I can't fucking wait for that shit. That's going to be awesome. He hasn't started shooting it yet. Though, I don't right? think so, no. It's just, an, it's, it's, it's signed up. He has five X. You know, I know, I know that he got uh, re-picked up, but you can't tell when season starts anymore. They start whenever they want to start. Yeah, the smaller cable challenges do whatever the hell they want, yeah. The new Paul Abdul uh, dance show's on tonight, Live to Dance. Was tonight the first night or I last think, night was? Tonight, I, think, I think tonight's the first night. She's in the news. Does she live to dance? Apparently. Well, it's the second episode. On the Field's Choice Awards. So they ran it last night. 
Yeah, there's another episode's on tonight. But those dancing shows are only three times a fucking week. All right, Adam wrote and said uh, to us, check out the Shorty Award nominations. ONA and Rana Fez has made a joke of these awards. I love it. I guess everybody went with Dave's gimmick for last year and started to nominate themselves for stuff. Now, I don't know where they are because I, I couldn't even fight them last year. <laughs> they would have to say. There's about 40 categories here that anyone could be fucking in. 40 shorties. Sea Dog, you're on the Run of Fez show. What's up, Ronnie? Hey, Sea oh, Dog! I vote for Fezzy to stay because it would be the Ron and Fe it wouldn't be the Ron and Fez show without him. That is true. <laughs> it, 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 it would it would be the Ron and Ron show without uh, if he wasn't there. Boy, that was one popular show. <laughs> hey, Sea Dog, when are you going to come in and hang with me, man? I don't know, man. I uh, lost my job. Uh -huh. I don't have money. Is tight. I am. Um, I'm gonna have to. Tr uh, uh, I'm gonna try. Definitely. What if we bought your train ticket in? I'll. Uh, I definitely would consider it. And then take you out to lunch. I would definitely. I would definitely consider it. A vegan lunch. <laughs> awesome. And we said this. It's time to get our party on, Sea Dog. Woohoo! Hey, do me do me a favor and just fucking lay down a beat for me. Would you? Just a nasty beat. Not every bit as good as Jay Z. It's fucking great. I really couldn't tell the difference between Sea Dog and Jay Z. One of them still has a job. Yeah. Well, one's one's white, one's black. You got fired <laughs> because somebody ate your sandwich. Yep, pretty much. Mm. And that makes me mad because you didn't complain about those times the guys put a broomstick in your asshole. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Hey, once you bust that ass, Jerry. You can never go back, my friend. All right. See ya. Hey, I'm going to have Fez get a hold of you, all right? All right. Peace. Peace. Uh, who doesn't like him? Who doesn't like Craze? He's the best. See, dog? Yeah. He's awesome. Fantastic we got to get him in like here. Him. Do a fucking lunch thing. Smoke up. Burn one down. Uh, the lady from the joint. I'm not going to say which one, but she runs the... The joint channel. Uh-huh. Because uh, I had this small cigar, and she thought I had a uh, joint in my hand. She's like, you know me, I'm Jamaican. She starts trying to phone me in the fucking men's room. Like, you're going to fucking smoke a joint. Oh, shit. I'll go, all right, look, I know your fucking handle. You know, I get the whole thing. <laughs> but let's not carry it into real life. Come on. Stop trying to fucking live your gimmick. You don't see C-Dog acting like he's a real fucking... Uh, rapper. Uh, Steve, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, uh, I've been listening to you guys for years, and so? I still have no idea what it means when somebody calls up and is like, hey, 365, buddy, what are the numbers in the, when they, people call up? Oh, uh, nothing. Oh, okay. That's nothing. You know, I don't uh, pay attention.
Gaz was very happy to hear Crazed on the show. Good. Guys, do yourself a favor and stop calling him Crazed. His new name is Sea Dog. He even called in that way, <laughs> which I didn't even remember. <laughs> Dave is number one weird for the Shorty Awards again. Uh, 202 Friends is up. Yeah. Steve's is up. <laughs> I think Ant is up. Yeah. It's basically the 202 Awards. Ronnie B. Quotes is up as cultural. Okay. Right now, Ronnie B. Quotes, uh, quotes is beating uh, Rachel Maddow. Good. In the Shorty Awards. It's Crush. Fuck you, CNN. Give me my award. <laughs> Drink your water. And really, Ronnie B. Quotes, no offense to Rachel Maddow, but, you know, to read those quotes, it's a lot of, it gives a lot of joy to people. A lot of fucking joy. Fuck yeah. All right, that's it for us. It's a short porch, so we're off the rest of the week for Christmas. I want everybody just to have the best Christmas ever. And that's the end of my show. Donk. <laughs>